0: Ahoy hoy Talking Simpsons listeners. Do not skip this important message because Talking Simpsons is going on tour. Isn't that right, Henry?
1: That's right. We are finally doing our first live shows
0: outside of the Bay Area. And it's all happening in Portland on October 20th, 2018. That is a Saturday. We'll be performing at Kelly's Olympian at 2 o'clock p.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. And we have a very special guest for our 5 o'clock p.m. show. Henry, spill the beans. It's
1: Bill Oakley. Yes, food reviewer slash co-executive producer of The Simpsons slash co-showrunner of season 7 and 8. Bill Oakley will be doing a live show with us at 5 p.m. at Kelly's Olympian in
0: Portland. And at both of these shows we'll be going over our favorite Treehouse of Horror segments with live video clips and again at the 5 o'clock p.m. show Bill Oakley will be there. And to get tickets go to tinyurl.com slash TalkingSimpsonsHalloween. And it is very important that you get tickets if you want to to go because we've heard from the venue they are going super fast especially the 5 p.m. Bill Oakley show
1: tinyurl.com slash talking Simpsons Halloween will give you all the extra details of location place time all that for our 2 p.m. and the 5 p.m. show that will be with Bill Oakley. Yes, you can find all the details to buy the tickets ahead of time at tinyurl.com slash TalkingSimpsonsHalloween for the details on our 2 p.m. show and our 5 p.m. show. Don't risk it by buying tickets at the venue, both for the 2 p.m. show and the 5 p.m. show with Bill Oakley. The tickets are
0: going fast. And that is not all. A week later on Saturday, October 27th, 2018, we'll be doing a show at our local haunt, Piano Fight, in San Francisco, and admission for that one is free. Ooh, it's all going to be up
1: big scary simpson time at all those shows as we celebrate vast best segments in treehouse of horror history
0: we hope to see you there boils and ghouls alike
2: i heartily endorse this event or product
0: Ahoy, ahoy, everybody! Welcome to Talking Simpsons, a realistic, down-to-earth podcast that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. I'm your host, the original dog from hell, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Genius at work, Henry Gilbert.
3: A magic xylophone, Rebecca Sugar. <laughs> Gangster octopus, Toby Jones.
4: I'm Ian Jones-Cordy, and I'm madder than uh,
3: yakking heat.
4: <laughs> uh,
0: and today's episode is the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show.
5: Hey kids, always recycle. To the extreme, bastard!
0: Today's <laughs> episode aired on February seventh, nineteen ninety-seven, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> Oh, Roy, Bobby. Mario Kart 64 (laughs) debuts on the N64
1: in the United States. The O.J. Simpson civil trial comes to an end, and with its 167th episode, The Simpsons officially passes the Flintstones as
0: the longest-running primetime animated series. That's funny. Uh, By matter of happenstance, we're recording this on September 30th, 2018. Then the Flintstones debuted on September 30th, 1960. So 58 years ago, the Flintstones (laughs) were born.
1: Now I think they've beaten the Flintstones four times over <laughs> at least four times
0: i'm not doing math on this podcast <laughs> and uh, mario kart 64 how do we all weigh in on that uh by all accounts it's it's not a great one but it's one i have a lot of fond memories of
6: i think it was very good at the time yeah, like, yeah. i think it, yeah and, and the battle mode i think is actually still un, unparalleled yeah the, the battle mode the is series. really good I,
4: I don't think they've gotten maybe like some of those maps that they had like block mm-hmm.
6: for or something look like just that. copy and paste it into the new one <laughs> like what are you doing but for me i'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a double dash guy i'm not gonna i'm Ooh. i'm, 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 very pretentious. I'm all about the Double Dash. That is a, <laughs> a divisive mm-hmm. entry.
1: I, I do love Double Dash. I think I probably played the most 64, because yeah. especially the battle mode. And it was partially because we had an N64 and nothing else
6: to play because we were waiting until, I guess, Goldeneye came out. I, Star Fox was next, maybe? I remember new. that was a huge drought. And it was yeah. like spring of whatever year that was and it was just like uh, incredibly long it was like the one game for that entire uh like quarter yeah it's new
4: but I really like eight uh, quite a bit that's I'm, my favorite yeah I wish they would just keep patching uh, levels every single level into eight double dash I like it but the there's no jump when you hit R. Uh, it feels weird and wrong to me.
0: It's all about grinding for sparks. <laughs> so let's talk to our newest guest, Rebecca Sugar. Rebecca, I want to assume that everybody listening knows who you are, but in case there are people living in a, what a cave in Mars. Uh, with Under their fingers. in yeah. a
1: cave
3: on
0: Mars. <laughs> uh, can you explain who you are and your connection with The Simpsons?
3: Oh, sure. I'm the creator and showrunner of Steven Universe, Woo. and I'm a huge Simpsons fan. I have been for as long as I can remember, and I think of all the episodes I'm constantly remembering, this is the one (laughs) I am remembering the most.
0: And for our listeners, Steven Universe is a cartoon. So this show is all about running a cartoon. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Hence the connection. But yes, uh, Rebecca, I think um, what put you on my radar was the comic, uh, Don't Cry For Me, I'm Already Dead. Oh, yeah. uh, Which I just reread before you showed up. And it's amazing. I think that was
1: probably, before I knew you as a person who worked on Adventure Time, that was the first thing of yours I ever saw. Like, it really touched me just because it, it's all about quoting The Simpsons constantly with a friend, with as a second language, which I think we're all united by. And then it goes to such like an emotionally like raw place. <laughs> it's, it's it really got me I, every time I read it. It's still because I also I have a brother too, and we quoted
3: The Simpsons together all the time. I try not to cry right now.
1: But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I love that comment.
7: Oh,
3: thank you. You know, I pitched that. To Ian on our first date. No, it's oh. true.
1: It's oh. true. And I
4: was like, "You have to do." Yeah, it. <laughs> that was because <laughs> it was just like uh, I love recontextualizing funny things as like the most heartbreaking things <laughs> in existence, and it was a perfect example of that. And yeah. you made that for Comic Con in what twenty? Oh, I'm not what sure like, what year it was. Yeah, 2007, maybe 2006,
3: something yeah, like 2008. That.
4: And didn't you 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 eventually you eventually
3: <laughs> found Mac <laughs> Raining
7: there? Right? Yes,
3: I did. I had it, and I wanted to give him a copy. I, I used to go to comic cons with my. Xerox stapled zines and trade them with people. And I was like, I want to try and give one of these to Matt Groening. And it turned out that you had to enter a raffle to potentially get a ticket to stand in a line to meet Matt Groening. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then, so, they, then they frisk you before that. Yeah.
3: So I was like, oh my gosh, well, I guess this isn't going to happen. And then I saw a big crowd around the Bongo area And I was like, what could this mean? (laughs) So I kind of went over there, and sure enough, he was in the center of this cloud of people. And so I I had it in my hands, and I was like, oh, I just want to try to give it to him. I'll I'll only be a moment. And someone tried to stop me. They were like, he's not signing anything. They saw I had something in my hands. And I said, I don't need anything signed. I just want to give this to him. So they said, oh, okay. And I got to him and I handed it to him and he opened it and he looked at it and he was like, oh, I've seen this. Oh, wow. And he'd read it on Metafilter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he looks at it. Then he looks up at me and he's like, you made this? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think maybe he envisioned a comic book guy-esque
7: right. <laughs> uh, creator
3: of this comic. And I was like, yeah. And it was amazing. He, he gave me his card to a, to a PO box that he oh, had, yeah. and and he said that he liked it, and it was very startling. <laughs> wow!
6: <laughs> I mean, wow. That, that, yeah, the comic really made the rounds. I guess at the time, I remember seeing it as well. Friends of mine were sending it to me, and it was really, I had, yeah, I did, definitely had the exact same, the exact same effect on me. Where I was just like, "This is the real shit." Is that <laughs>
3: is that the first thing of mine you saw? Uh, definitely. Wow! Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I knew you saw my promos when I was on mm-hmm. Adventure
6: Time. Yeah, I didn't connect it with you until much later. I didn't read. I like. I got to know your work after that through Adventure Time, and then only later did I connect the dots
7: between oh the two.
3: Oh my gosh! Well, I just I have when it comes to that story, it feels very personal to me. I've always felt like if I could trade my Simpsons knowledge for actual knowledge, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be a much more well-read, well-versed person. But I, I've thought a lot about how much pop culture has brought me closer to my friends and family, and there's always this weird sense that. If it's a pop culture thing, that somehow devalues it as a point of connection, which I don't think is true. You hear these stories about people who are able to come back from the brink of death and remember things through music and through pattern and through friendship and love. And all of that can be tied into something like The Simpsons. There's no reason it has any less personal value than any piece of art that you connect to. So I would think about that a lot, and I hoped that it would be something that people could relate to because the depth of meaning of The Simpsons in my life was... it, It ran very, very deep... Deep into my childhood and deep into my personal connections with other people.
1: It's such an amazing comment. I got it shared around a ton to friends and not always with your name attached to it, because that's how the internet is. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Yeah. But I had friends who even thought like, this was a real thing that happened. It's a true story. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, (laughs) Uh, I would
7: hope
3: not.
1: uh, And it wasn't actually wasn't until I reread it. This year that I noticed, like the the doctor in it is Ian. Yes, like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's true.
3: Like, what? <laughs> it's true. You modeled for me. Yeah, yeah.
4: It was like a lot of the places where like our neighborhood at the time. <laughs> yes, where we were
3: living in Bushwick. And then
4: we hmm. and then you added in a bunch of like kind of Simpsons Easter eggs and stuff, like the dance in Homer yeah. and Homer um, in like his
3: car and like
4: yeah, it really. I
0: it tried was
3: great. to pack in as much as I possibly could.
4: I was
0: reading it again today, and it really underlines just how that is the common ground for a lot of people around our generation and that is how I make all of my friends they all have to like The Simpsons because if there's ever a lull in the conversation there will be something to talk about and I, I kind of feel bad for any of the Uber or Lyft drivers that drive Henry and I around because most of our conversations are just peppered with things that would mean nothing if you haven't seen The Simpsons but uh, we, we make it work with our secret twin language So
3: I really feel uh, the generation gap sometimes at work oh, yeah, we've where I'm experienced like oh yes I. For at a certain point it stops being The Simpsons it starts being Spongebob, SpongeBob. oh boy <laughs> And that's.
4: I think yeah, there's a younger generation who uh, SpongeBob was their Simpsons. That's for just sure. great.
3: It makes total sense. I yeah. think I might have been a little on the cusp, because I because I'll say even to you, I'll, I'll be like, oh, remember this funny Simpsons thing? And you're like, that is past the point of no return. <laughs> no, it's also. Uh, it's
6: <laughs> not just SpongeBob. It's, it's SpongeBob and Naruto. Those are the Yes, that's shows. true. Yeah,
3: I overlapped yeah. with. Yeah. Naruto. But it's like, I
6: I, it took me, I didn't realize until that point, like a few years into my like adult career, like, oh no, The Simpsons has a cultural tale with yeah. these people. It's like, it isn't just forever and everyone isn't just watching it with the same reverence that I do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like there's like a whole young, like all the 13 year olds right now are studying up on the show. <laughs> they, they probably study up on The Simpsons the way we would study up on like Monty Python.
4: Yeah, maybe. I could see what that.
3: The, or Flintstones. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like, I, I think a lot about how we're making references to The Simpsons in our work, like like fond nods, yeah, the way that they were making fond nods to the Flintstones, it's but true. also it's baked into the DNA. And and Greg himself is like three generations from Fred Flintstone,
7: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's
3: like a Homer, he's a Homer, but yeah. he's. Yeah, but Homer is a Fred.
4: And I think we threw in like everything's coming up KO like in our first episode. Yep. And we didn't even You'd think it. we didn't even think about it as a Simpsons reference even. It's just so normal to us that it's like, oh yeah, this is a funny thing you could say.
3: I had a teacher get offended over uh, don't cry for me because there was a Twilight Zone. Like, there's a quote in there that's really a Twilight Zone parody quote. Right. <laughs> and he was like, I just felt foolish because I had included this oh, thing, geez. knowing it only as a Simpsons quote, <laughs> but also I mean, a generation I mean, that's,
4: that's what pop culture is, right? Yeah. We get to you know quote things that are quoting things. It's but, a complex
6: tapestry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes.
4: And I mean, now Simpsons memes are. A
1: movie and then, but in a Simpson scene that the, is quoting a Twilight Zone. Right. <laughs> right.
3: I, I had a, oh my gosh, I had a moment. Crump with me, sweetie. Oh, yeah. Drawing was coming up in reference to a yellow diamond pose. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, yeah, I and, saw that too. Yes, oh, and yeah. I was like, that's so new. Like, that's very new Simpsons to me. And then I was like, wait, but when is that from? And you looked it up, and it was like 2008. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It, was,
0: wow. it was 10 it was years, 10 years old. old. Yeah, we often <laughs> refer to new Simpsons on the show, but that is anything 18 years old uh, yeah. older or newer, I
1: guess.
3: Yeah. But
0: I just saw
1: a great one today of a Steven Universe Simpsons one. It was the Barton Milhouse scene where Milhouse says, this is where I come to cry And he said, in part, says cool, but it's yellow diamond and blue diamond, and it's blue diamond saying, This is where I come to cry. And it's the place in the zoo where they (laughs) did. Oh, my goodness! Uh, Well, how much did uh, Simpsons influence you as an animator and cartoonist?
3: Me a lot, (laughs) a lot. I think anime Simpsons is pretty much (laughs) what I want to do, yeah. Uh, when it comes down to it. That's
1: what this show is. is for the intersection of anime and Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's
3: a lot of other things in there, but I'd say those are, in the pie chart, those are big slices. Massive. Yeah, it's
4: hard to, it's hard to overstate the effect that something like seeing The Simpsons when you're like a very young, like, I don't know, elementary schooler or something, mm-hmm. will have on like all of your drawings and all of your humor.
3: It was everywhere too. I mean, we had like the chess set. Yeah. I, like, I can feel Marge's hair on my fingers when I think <laughs> about just the tactile experience of being a child that loved The Simpsons. And it was something my whole family kind of did together.
1: I feel like every guest talks about how they watched The Simpsons with their family and how it was such a major moment for them. Did you tape all the episodes and all that? The-
3: no, oh, it wasn't that far. <laughs> oh. I started taping
6: it a little bit right before the last couple of years that I was watching it in new new episodes. I was taping it, otherwise. But at the same time, it was in syndication so much that mm-hmm. it was like it was always around.
4: Yeah, because I had to sneak watching it when it was new. We weren't able to tape it. We'd be they'd be like,
6: "What are you guys watching?" We'd be like,
4: "Oh, the Cosby Show," and you know, we'd definitely be watching The Simpsons. But it was later that when it finally went into syndication, I think like. In the D.C. area, we would get, because I grew up halfway between Baltimore and Washington, D.C., and so we got both channels, and they both had different syndication packages, and they both played Simpsons episodes. (laughs) So, like, every night you could watch two hours of The Simpsons between two different channels. Uh, And it basically was, yeah, it was a huge deal.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I remember every day after school.
1: Yeah, <laughs> when I see a ton of Springfield and Beach City too, it's a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think that that Beach City is very much based on a, ver- a very specific real place. But I think I don't know. I, th- I think about Springfield a lot. I, I've thought about it more since moving to LA. It never occurred to me that the Springfield sign was like the Hollywood sign i just took it on complete face value like there's a sign that says Springfield like now i'm like oh right people were here yeah uh, i feel i felt that way about the flintstones suit like when i first flew here to work at cartoon network and i looked around and i was like oh, all the all the houses have like stone sides and these like prehistoric looking Californian plants everywhere. It looks like the Flintstones <laughs> to me. And then I was like, Oh no, no, no. The Flintstones look like Burbank because <laughs>
7: <That's> <laughs> people they were mean, here yeah. making, that's a joke yeah. is
3: that it's like old, but it's like, I had to recalibrate every, I'm not from California. So I really had to adjust to what it means to be here.
7: Yeah.
0: Well, all of our guests in this room, they all run cartoons and have created cartoons that are currently on TV. Do you want to talk about your connection to this episode now? Or do you want to explore that as we explore the the episode with our uh, clips uh, and everything? I,
6: I guess, like, yeah. we can probably do it as we go. I mean, it's it's very, like, it's profound. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, the episode is almost like an inkblot test for where you are on the, like, fan creator spectrum. And it's like, no matter where you are, you're like, this episode's about me.
7: <laughs> uh, and yeah, so for my absolutely. entire life,
6: I've gone, you know, from being... Genius at work, uh, to now. <laughs> and I and I still am in many conversations. Even while working on the show, I'll be that guy and just be like, yeah. "Well, we already did this, so it's going to be like that." <laughs> exactly, it's like all, it, it, the episode kind of consumes all. Yeah, the
4: episode relationship to like fan culture, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, we can get into that later, but I I, I love uh, what it's saying about what fans were. <laughs> At the time, and I do remember actually being a kid reading news group postings of people talking about The Simpsons, just lurking and just like being like, Oh, these guys are really smart, they know a lot about the show, and then <laughs> parroting their opinions in school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I uh,
1: watching this back again, I wonder how much it was reflecting what early internet fandom was in 1997 and how much it influenced fandom from then on. This just feels as real to me as it does then. I just think they'd have like faster internet speeds to complain to them.
0: I mean we are professional geniuses at work we, and yes, uh, yeah, the we three are. nerds would be podcasters in this yeah. oh, uh, yeah. in the future version of this episode. We gotta know it's true. That episode <laughs> I got a spec script. <laughs> I
1: think this might be the most influential. I don't know. It might be like they. I feel like every scene in this is the is meme worthy. Not just like a couple moments, but I've seen these. I repeat lines from this a million times. It as somebody who had the job of being, like, a cultural critic, I use these a lot in, like, waiting for the
4: fireworks factory.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, yeah. When are we gonna get to the fire? Yeah,
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we were just talking about this, but in in our writer's room, Fireworks Factory is said, like, pretty much every time we, like, hand out an episode or talk about an episode, we're always like, alright, Fireworks Factory is in the third act, we gotta make sure we get there quick. Yeah, yeah. Cut down the f- first act, cause come on, fireworks factory's coming, you know, trying to make sure like we have those things uh, within every episode. A lot of the ways that like the writer's talk has totally infected us. Like something like Poochie, but you know, yeah, better, better. Every, like, everyone, good everyone good with Poochie. Everyone good with yeah, Poochie. Yeah, yeah. That's we like do that all. every day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, well, so the episode begins with a classic itchy and scratchy episode. And when there's not blood in them, it always feels like a, a lesser itchy and scratchy to me. There but should it, be more blood in this. Well, <laughs> it's pretty creative, though. Yeah. Like- there's
3: some blood in the ice block. when there's. It just stops just before. It makes you want it, but it doesn't give it to you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I wonder if that one-man pie fight that Krusty has, is that more or less impressive than the eating the bicycle trick? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. But uh, well, that's too impressive to out. Yeah, <laughs> Fun stuff is happening, but the kids aren't watching it Kids? Kids?
8: You're missing their Chin Scratchy show
9: Don't you like it
8: anymore? Sure, we love it, but how can we watch TV when it's so beautiful out? Well yeah, Mom, I mean we love you and Dad too, but God knows we don't need to see you every day. <laughs> An
7: occasional <laughs>
9: hug is all I ask Mom, you can hug me when I'm asleep. I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bart is right.
7: <laughs> yeah.
1: I also love Lisa. When we would normally go outside, she's just reading in the back of a cereal yeah. box. That's more interesting than a new episode of Itchy and Scratchy. When they talk about the kids being the audience, they knew... When we talked to like Bill Oakley in an interview, they knew the kids were their viewers on The Simpsons more than any... and And then hardcore right. young adults.
4: So... I I remembered that interview, and actually, that did strike me when I was rewatching this episode. How how much they the writers the writer characters refer to themselves as the creators of a children's cartoon, (laughs) and I was like thinking about that interview you guys did, and it's like were they really thinking of themselves that way?
7: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the background context of this episode is that like every showrunner of the Simpsons, they assume the show would end in a few years. So, (laughs) which is why, um, especially in season seven and eight, there are so many status quo changes because they're like, well, let's just do this because who knows how long the show will last. Little do they know season 30 premieres tonight. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, they were thinking, you know, people aren't watching anymore. We're getting a lot of complaints. um, And this is really a reflection of that time. The, the creators thinking, well, this is going to end sooner or later.
1: Right. They're really worried about it. Like that's, that's showing on the show which also is interesting to me because this episode's about the ratings going down but the Simpsons average ratings at this time were still in the like 15 million which is about what it had been for seasons 5, 6, and 7 as well so I don't know why they're like I I suppose it was a gradual decline. It certainly wasn't as high as it was in season
6: two, but... Maybe they were using ratings for just like an analog for critical consensus as like Mm. a
3: shorthand. Mm. They were probably waiting for the shoe to drop, too. I mean, how sustainable? I don't know. (laughs) I was
0: actually looking at ratings for The Simpsons, Nielsen ratings over the years, and it is a gradual decline from the beginning. But between season seven and eight, there is a brief dip. But season nine, there's a big spike.
1: So mm. I believe all of the Homer and exactly. stuff
0: really made the ratings go up in season nine. Because yeah. everybody hates Armin Tamsarian
1: that starts off
4: season nine. <laughs> <but>
0: Except <laughs> me. And that, Yeah, no. We the actually, Nielsen owners didn't.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone came back for that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so then we
1: go back to Krusty Lou Studios and see what's going wrong.
10: Hey, Krusty, you look great. <laughs> you get your teeth bleached?
2: Yeah, it's a new kind of polymer treatment. Hey, shut up! You're here because your Itchy and Scratchy cartoons are stinking out my ratings. Look at this breakdown of yesterday's show. Huh? Uh, uh, yeah, kaboom!
10: What happened here? Lightning hit the transmitter? See, that's
2: what I thought at first, but the... Hey, shut up! <laughs> that crater is where your lousy cartoon crash-landed. Its rating's poison.
10: But Itchy and Scratchy is critically acclaimed.
2: Acclaimed? <laughs> I gotta replace it right now with a Chinese cartoon where the robots turn into blingwads. (laughs) But I'm a lazy, lazy man, Roger. (laughs) So I'll give you one more chance. Get out! Don't come back till you fix fixed, itchy, and scratchy.
0: Yeah, Dan Castaneda <laughs> panic screaming as Krusty. Some of my favorite <laughs> so stuff. Good. I think uh, not since Bart the Fink has he hit such heights <laughs> as Krusty in the
1: drawings, I love how his hair acts with him when he's disappointed. It kind of it, it like, kind of down droops. A yeah, bit. emotive hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love the how
4: earnest uh, Krusty is. It takes
1: like thanks for the cut. Hey, no.
4: <laughs> Roger Myers. They get a lot of great mileage out of him in this episode, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's a little bit of a tweak on on the usual Roger Myers. He's <laughs> almost like like, kind of naive and, like... He's excitable. He's excitable, <laughs> yeah, in, like, an interesting way, it's, you know?
1: I think this is more creatively he's been invested in Itchy and Scratchy for the longest time. Like, in, say, The Front, which this is kind of a sequel to, The the Front from season four, he's just like, eh, you egghead writers just handle it, I cash the checks, I don't care. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but This is the, the third and final appearance, though, of Alex Rocco as Roger Aww. Myers, and he would live for another 20 years, but... So previously, I think he came back at least two or three times, but Hank Azaria voiced him. But this mm-hmm. is the final time that Alex Rocco would voice him. Period. Yeah, Bill,
1: shame. Bill and Josh brought him back for the two itchy and scratchy episodes, and it's 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 sad they never brought him back after that because he's on the commentary. I was about to say, one. like, well, did they did really bring him back sweet. for the commentary. Track? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's so happy to be on the commentary, and how famous. I wonder if at one time, if he by the end of his life, was he more famous to people on the street for? godfather or for the simpsons I oh, wow. <laughs> I wonder.
0: there's well, there's like one reference in this episode and it is sideshow Mel coming in to collect for the uh, rock and roll museum <laughs> yeah. it's really it's really awkward the rock and roll hall of fame's first major exhibit opened in may of 97 so maybe that's what they're referencing but it's in Cleveland you know the home of rock and roll mm-hmm. where, where it all started but uh yeah have you
6: ever been there Bob? yes it's
0: there. um I didn't like
6: it did you pop oh, Drew Carey? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah he
0: was dancing in front
6: of that place <laughs> yeah. that's what you show up for Yeah,
0: he won't stop
6: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, Krusty threatening to replace it with a Chinese cartoon with robots. I mean, that was...
0: Power Rangers couldn't have been bigger than I think
1: mm-hmm. by, uh, anime was starting to replace a lot of traditional animation yeah, on I mean, TV at that point.
0: Krusty got the country wrong, but I think that's just more of a joke on his ignorance. Yeah, yeah like it's just Chinese true. or whatever. We
1: also just made up the word bling, bling, wall wall. bling yeah, wall, That's yeah. not a word. <laughs> I, I also kind of like the balance here of, like, you have Myers, who's the studio head, making the thing, then you have Krusty representing the show that he hosts and later you're going to have the network people and you just have like these three bosses
4: all coming down on the show creatively. I love it because it is that weird, everything's super local, everything's made in Springfield but Mm -hmm. then also yeah, any television clown, they would be playing (laughs) like Pre nineteen forty eight public domain cartoons. Like, there's no way like a television clown would be pay- playing specially made cartoons.
0: First for run cartoons. Yeah. he
6: has like curative control over what is what is in the cartoons. Yeah,
0: in real life, he would have the King of Cartoons collection, exactly. where just like depressing and scary uh, depression era cartoons.
3: This is our first actual genius at work moment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You it
6: wouldn't them. be like this in <laughs> real
0: life. But I do want to go back to the uh, the Blingwats comment because in animation at the time, Power Rangers was scaring a lot of uh, kids programming people because it was this very easy to import thing that was very cheap to dub. And that is why uh, these high profile productions by WB were ending because... Power Rangers was a very cheap and more popular thing, so you could you could import Power Rangers or another Japanese show and dub it, or spend millions on Animaniacs and just show that and get less viewers. So <laughs> it was a threat to cartoon makers of the era.
6: Yeah, I would say so. It also, I mean, the, the reference is like very. It's hard. It's hard to say because I also it also reads to me as like a weirdly late Transformers joke, but it's also yeah, like that's say, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, but I see what you mean about the time and the place. And mm-hmm. Power Rangers definitely was the, was the big thing. They
0: technically transformed. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's, that's true. They, yeah, they just used the word morph because it was cooler <laughs> in the nineties. I,
4: I mean, post like Pokemon I mean that was it that every I think like every network was like ah, we got to find our Pokemon and Mm -hmm. they like tried like oh let's dub Escaflone and put it out of order and put it on Fox Kids yeah oh, Oh, they
3: chopped it up yeah it was
4: crazy it was like go with the flow Escaflowne that's that's pretty good
0: uh, (laughs) I want to say they aired like one episode of Slayers too I think they did yeah Yeah, before they were like let's not do this yeah
4: There, everybody was yeah looking for that next it's this cheap cartoon and we're just gonna dub it and mm-hmm. we're gonna make millions it's tough for me as a fan of anime but also
1: of american animation in the 90s too they're like but i love this anime but it replaced the other cartoons i like too can't yeah. they can't they get along <laughs> uh, yeah i think the woman off screen that is telling Mel to come in i'm pretty sure that's penny candy oh yeah Miss yeah, penny candy we will see here in brother from another planet. We've already recorded that one. Uh, <laughs> Brother from Another Series. Penny Candy is in that on screen, but she doesn't say anything. She's one of those just lost characters, which is too bad. It's a I, shame. Yeah, they could have got a, an episode out of her love, Lauren relationship for Krusty. She could have been the Smithers to Krusty. Surprised right. they haven't. That's that's a you know missed and opportunity.
6: I guess they just weren't in there. <laughs> maybe maybe in the season premiere tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, <see>
1: <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but somebody tweeted at me that Hollis Hurlbutt appears in the episode. Oh my god! Well, weird. Yeah, though, I wonder if it's, I would wonder if it's a background character, because if they got, actually got back Donald Sutherland, I think they would have advertised that.
11: (laughs) The Simpsons will be right back.
7: Hi
1: everyone, I hope you're enjoying this dramaturgical dyad of a podcast. We couldn't be more happy to have hosted Rebecca Sugar, Ian Jones, Courtney, and Toby Jones on this week's podcast. They were amazing guests, and we hope you're enjoying it too. If you're not a viewer of their cartoons yet, you absolutely should. Steven Universe and OKKO are my two favorite series on TV right now. Steven Universe is this amazing amalgamation of feelings and jokes and Simpsons and anime and I love I love all that. And OKKO Is this wild, exciting, hilarious series that celebrates animation of all stripes in such humorous ways? The first season of OKKO and the first four seasons of Steven Universe are available on Hulu right now if you have access to that to check it out or on the Cartoon Network app. Can't stress enough how much I love that show. And if you're enjoying this podcast where we celebrate Simpsons and all animation as well, you should definitely check out all our other content at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons support patreon.com slash talking Simpsons is how me and Bob can afford to even fly down to Los Angeles and record with Rebecca, Ian and Toby and tons more other cool people on top of that. If you sign up at just the $5 level, you'll get to hear every podcast a week ahead of time and ad free. You can be listening to next week's episode Homer's phobia right now. You can also do the same for our sister podcast. What a cartoon. What a cartoon. Cartoons where we give the talking simpsons treatment to a different animated series each week including steven universe we did an episode about that not to mention in patreon.com talking simpsons we feature a ton of exclusive content like our season wrap-ups where we go through all the news that happened during the season we go over the deleted scenes from all the episodes of previous seasons we have interviews including our one with ian jones Courty, plus ones with folks who have worked on the series since the beginning like mike reese david silverman Mark Kirkland, Josh Weinstein, and so many others. You can check all of that out and a ton of other stuff at Patreon.com talkingsimpsons Talking Simpsons, and your support there means the world to us, so please, if you're a fan, check that out. If you enjoy all this week's talk about anime and classic shows, you might want to sign up for V.E.R.B., Verve is a streaming service that supports this show, Talking Simpsons, as well as our sister show, What a Cartoon. If you go to vrv.co/wac, that's verve.co wac you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Verve and get access to hundreds of hours of streaming content immediately. That includes all the anime on Crunchyroll and Funimation, tons of classic 90s Nickelodeon shows through Nick Splat, and even original series through Cartoon Hangover, like bravest warrior and being puppy cat bravest warrior even features ian jones Courty, one of our guests on this episode as a voice you can check all that out at a free 30-day trial of Verve. if you go to vrv.co slash wac So we cut to the mall. And I love that March doesn't want to buy bras in front of her kids. That's <laughs> such, like a very uh,
0: using the word brasier is bras- a very mom <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, she might as well be buying blouses or something. <laughs> something kids would not be into.
1: I don't know if you guys ever did a mall focus group. I had done a couple, but you—you uh, you mean you've gone to that? Really? Well, no. I've so never done. not a focus group for television. This was like for try this candy or try this oh. cookie and do you like it? No, like,
6: no I never have. No. Uh, well, I, w- I would love to.
4: When I was unemployed in New York, I did. The movie one once, mm. uh, but yeah, no, never like. Yeah, at a, at a certain point in my
0: mall, there was a focus group company that moved into it, so you would avoid sorting corners of the mall <laughs> because there would be people with clipboards like, and they would try to target um, you. So see,
1: I love that. I was <laughs> like, I want to do this. I did like three, and then eventually they said like, if you've done one in the last six months, you can't do it again. Like, well, because <laughs> yeah. I also was given like, enough of your opinions, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they gave me twenty bucks usually, which like, wow, that was a lot to. Uh, An 11 year old So But I never got to test A TV show like this one I I, mean well, now have you guys been on the other side of focus groups? Uh,
6: well, it, it's we have in that all the shows we work on get tested, but that information is actually very yeah. controlled uh, and it's doled out to us uh, very mysteriously. Yeah, they used so, to
4: <laughs> they used to let creators go to the focus groups and watch them. Though there's a very famous story about a um, a certain creator whose show was being tested, and they actually got to go to watch it. And in watching the test after they showed it to the kids, the kids hated it so much. (laughs) Uh, They were all yelling about how much they hated it. I think, like, one kid stood up and was like, whoever made this show should be fired, Um, you know, like, because the creators in the room watching this and it made them super depressed (laughs) Um, and it was terrible. But I would say the network aired it anyway and it went on to become, like, a huge, huge success. So... It just kind of goes to yeah. show, like, That you the know. children
6: are wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it still comes up, though. Like, we'll Skinless ask, great. like, hey, can I? Can, can we go to these? And they'll be like, no, you cannot, because this happened. <laughs> There's, like, yeah. a long-standing
0: rule. Yeah, like, yeah We'll we're just not walk through the go. creaky mirror and, yeah. and hurt a child. Yeah. Yeah. And
6: some, sometimes you'll get, like, you know, some information or, like, a little packet of like, of, like, highlights or something. But I feel like it's only used, you know, as kind of um, ammunition for whatever the network is needing to do. Yeah, it's
4: I mean. true. It's like a Rorschach test, and whatever they want to yeah take from it and mm-hmm. tell you like yeah
3: and funnel to us
4: to, to support a note they already have then they'll just say well we got this testing that i don't know is is there a lot of testing after a pilot i would
1: figure pilot is when the most testing would happen is there a lot after that i think they do yeah there's like, they, they
3: want to know if people are aware of it that's ah. so the hmm. even when it's out for a while they kind of try and figure out what the if it's a cultural zeitgeist yet yeah that's, the awareness
1: is the real thing yeah, yeah. Here's the first part of the kids in the focus group.
11: All right, thanks for participating in our focus group, kids. Today, we're going to show you some itchy and scratchy cartoons. Yeah! yeah cool. cool! We want you to tell us what you think, and be honest, because <laughs> no one from the show is here spying on you. <laughs> Why is
8: that mirror sneezing?
11: Uh, Look, it's just an old, creaky mirror. You know, sometimes it sounds a little like it's sneezing or coughing or talking softly. Hmm. Now, you each have a knob in front of you. When you like what you see, turn the knob to the right. When you don't like what you see, turn it
9: left. My knob tastes funny.
11: Please refrain from tasting the knob.
0: That's good mirror animation, by the way. Yeah. To it's, convey a sneeze behind a mirror. Is it's very, really nice.
3: Very good. It's really well done. Yeah. I really appreciate the use of taste. Tasting in, the instead nut. of bite yeah. or, or eat. <laughs> it's so much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it
6: implies a knowledge of why
4: it was bitten in the Yes, first
3: place. yes.
6: Yeah.
4: It's like a specific complaint towards Ralph. Like, <laughs> you're not taste funny because you're not supposed to taste it. <laughs> I think
3: it's like I feel like he's in a mode this like sales mode where it's like, okay, I thought about this maybe a little too much. (laughs) Uh, You know, everyone's feeling out their opinions on things. I feel like, to taste the knob is to like appreciate the knob. <laughs>
7: no,
0: you're right. It's like he's not there to evaluate the taste of the knob. He's there to yes. evaluate the thing. He's right, watching. right. So, yes,
1: yeah, that's yeah. true. You're
3: tasting yeah. the cartoon. Yeah. yeah, that's how Ralph. With your eyes. So Ralph
1: thinks he's being helpful. He's just like, well, this knob tastes funny. It's like well, that's not what this is for. Yeah. <laughs> I only hearing it isolated in audio. Do I? Do I really can tell that that is Alex Rocco sneezing as in this? Really? Scene. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it really sounds like huh. it. And this. Focus group, when I saw this as a 14 year old, I only knew focus groups from other jokes about focus groups on other sitcoms. Like the critic famously, their like sixth episode we did is all about how no one likes the critic. I'm worse Never, than Hitler. Yeah, he <laughs> votes against it. And it, they had the same knob in there too. So I'm wondering if that was just the, pretty much the standard, standardized thing in the 90s. Is it more of a questionnaire than a knob these days? <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, I did one more uh, TV. Thing. So if you go to Las Vegas in MGM, I think they have like CBS land where it's like, go on the CSI ride or whatever. Oh, no. so, so you can also, yeah, but you can also watch something and just be in a focus group Weird, and uh, they'll give you like $20 at Nathan's hot dogs in the place. So me and my mom watched it. And we thought it was going to be about this pilot, which it was—the pilot of the Will Arnett show, where he moves in, his mom moves in with him. Running we, Wild? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not that was the one with Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, yeah, not that one. The the CBS one after that, that was a more traditional sitcom. But we thought we were going to be asked to review that show, but actually, the show was a trick. The test was. We're gonna show you commercials for other CBS shows during the commercial breaks. What do you remember of those commercials? Oh, wow. those, yeah. It was it was huh. a real interesting test there. All of the commercials sucked, and I don't think any of those shows were renewed. And that show ended in one season too. So.
0: But you remember the hot dogs though, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: those are some good hot dogs. Wait, so I think,
3: so you, was there a knob?
1: No, it was in this case, it was a questionnaire just on your mm. computer in front of you of like, did you yeah. like these people? What do you remember of this Tony Shaloub show? Like, mm. I think
4: <laughs> you still do see the knob, like uh during presidential debates, when they uh, have mm. the playback of when oh,
3: you watch the oh. when you
4: watch the graph go up and down, <laughs> oh. and then you see the when they cut to the people, they do have a knob that they're twisting back and forth. Like I agree with this, I don't agree with this. So. I feel like
0: there is just a binary though. No one is like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like
4: nuancing the knob. Like <laughs> it's not an, it's not like an yeah. analog knob <laughs> with like yeah
1: tons they, of sensitivity. They need to get those analog by now. <laughs> <laughs> and so they play the Itchy and scratchy cartoons. The pool scene, this is the first time I noticed that the pool balls were nine and six on there, which I wonder... There's
0: also a 420 in this uh, in oh, the beginning yeah? scene yes. where that's when the ratings drop, so they got oh, 420 and 69 in the same wow. episode. <laughs> Grow up, six <safety laughs> writers. Grow up.
4: <laughs> We noticed when we were watching it again that the Speedo Man maybe was supposed to be an animal. He's colored like ears. He's got like floppy, ears he's for got sure. like floppy mm. dog ears for these colored like a human. I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, they to him Eno. as the Speedo
6: Man. It's geef yeah.
3: rules. Yeah, that's <laughs> true.
4: <laughs>
1: well, so yeah, the Speedo
4: Man.
6: Let's talk
1: about him. I uh, it's a Speedo Man corner. Well, I wonder what like in content. I know why he's there for the joke that it's to make it's for Nelson to believe Millhouse, but in continuity. Why did an animator draw this sexy Speedo Man in the cartoon to just walk in front of the camera? Why Why was that put in their cartoon?
0: I mean, you got to give the cartoonist something, uh, you know,
4: yeah. just uh, something to draw for fun.
0: I'm really sad Speedo Man is not an entry on the Simpsons Wiki.
4: Christ, no. That's Everything surprising. Is. Yeah.
0: You know what I'm doing after this? Yes. <laughs> uh. I give the speedo man all the green
7: lights but,
1: but yeah I always wondered like what what show is itchy and scratchy that they just have a speedo man walk by with sexy <laughs> music? well
6: with with the music it basically implied that it was like the same as when a hot lady shows up in like Animaniacs or whatever mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. mean
3: this is, you know it's a, it's Tom and Jerry there's always like a hot cat it's true like the yeah. Tom and Jerry when they're like on the not beach not always but sometimes
4: it's but they're he's like lusting over like a hot cat in a bikini you yeah. know yeah if there's a
0: speedo woman we no, would not be asking these questions. It's that's true, saying, yeah. You know.
4: it's I, true. I just
6: appreciate that they're, the, the, you know, they're evening the scales a little bit with Speedo Man. <laughs> so thank you.
1: Uh, yeah, you're a, a real Minerva Mink kind of moment there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, but so we get to hear what the focus group thinks of it.
10: They like itchy, they like scratchy. One
11: kid seems to love the Speedo Man. What more do they want? Okay, how many of you kids would like itchy and scratchy to deal with real life problems like the ones you face every day? And who would like to see them do just the opposite, getting into far-out situations involving robots and magic powers? So you want a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots.
9: That's right. And also, you should win things by watching.
10: (laughs) (laughs) You kids don't know what you want. That's why you're still kids, cause you're stupid. <laughs> just tell me what's wrong What the freaking show.
7: Mommy!
8: <laughs> um, excuse me, sir. The thing is, there's not really anything wrong with the Itchy and Scratchy show. It's as good as ever. But after so many years, the characters just can't have the same impact they once had. That's it.
10: That's
2: it, little girl. You saved Itchy and Scratchy! Please sign these papers indicating that you did not save Itchy and Scratchy.
1: Well, okay, the man, the grounded magical robots. I mean, everybody in this room can. Uh, that
3: is your, yeah. That's that's, yeah. Co- that's co- basically what show. we're all trying. to Yeah, do. yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: OKKO okay, is
1: literally literally that. Show. You
3: you have, you told me as you were making it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like those words. I
4: want to make that show. Yeah, but
0: can you yeah. win stuff from watching either Steven Universe or OKKO? Okay, well, yes. we
4: in season in one, game. yeah, we put codes in oh, every single yes. episode of OKKO. Okay, oh, there wow. is a. Uh, what, it's a three-character code? It's a secret three-character
6: code that mm-hmm. you can put in, a, in the uh, video game the, uh, coming okay, soon to Switch.
4: Okay, KO, let's and, play uh, here. Now available
6: on PSN, XBLA, and uh, Steam. Nice. And you can mm-hmm. unlock cool stuff, including uh, other playable characters.
4: Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you can win some right. stuff. <laughs> I guess Milhouse
6: didn't know about digital goods
0: yet. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It wasn't there yet.
4: <laughs>
1: well, and that would go for Steven Universe, too. Like, there there are magical uh, – Reunited had a bunch of magical robots fighting
4: in it, as well as a lot of emotions. Oh,
3: yeah. I think – I don't think of them as robots, but, yeah, the ships are there. I,
4: Yeah, and I think the closer we can get to <laughs> that is that goal of that show, you know, you the know, better, what honestly. I,
3: what I love about that clip is that when he does – pitch them a down-to-earth show that also has magical robots, they're not super excited. Yeah, like like true. a couple people are like, yeah, I think that's what I want. Like they're not they're not like, yes, that's perfect. Like it's both things is, are exciting it. and good. Yeah. It's actually really <laughs> difficult to find a balance. I think,
0: I think this is where the writers are starting to make their own defense of their own work and where I really agree with them here in that Lisa is saying characters can't have the same impact. So to address that a lot of the time with shows, you will see what has been coined the flanderization of characters. So right. in order to get that same effect, they have to heighten the character, but at the cost of the character's being. So they're mm-hmm. kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place with a show that has run as long as The Simpsons. Like, it is hard to surprise people.
4: Yeah, that's really true.
1: <laughs> and. I really, I love the animation on Myers on the window because he has like his long nose just like squished pressed up down. against it and moving. <laughs> he's got a real
0: season two uh, design to him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's especially that long nose.
4: Watching that again and realizing that uh, someone else in the room turned on the light for him to say that thing to <laughs> yeah, Lisa. Yeah. He's all, like, already pressed up against the glass. Actually,
0: I think the blue hair is a real giveaway that he's an early character.
4: He would not have blue hair
0: in yeah. the modern age mm-hmm.
4: It's, or a, it's this age, that's really? Sad. I mean, that is, I think, one of the greatest um, tragedies of the Simpsons in terms of character design. Of, side characters aren't allowed to look as weird as the Simpsons themselves, and I feel like you know, the more uh, the more of those characters, it's always like fun to see them. And it's weird when they bring those characters <laughs> back, like in newer episodes, because because they look so out of place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, Hurricane Nettie. In one of the scenes, there's like a season one or two character with like just the single line hair on them. Yeah, whoa, that's so weird looking with all the other people.
0: Does only Lenny have a muzzle outside of Homer? Is there anyone else? And Krusty, Krusty too. Yeah, Mm. yeah by design. But that's
3: because Krusty was going to be Homer. Right, right.
0: And I guess um,
4: I guess they're barber. It, when whenever he shows oh, yeah. up again, yeah, if a, he ever shows if, up, yeah, exactly, <laughs> he'll be like in a background every once in a while, and it's like, it, you oh, know, what's me, he
1: doing? Uh, me and Bob watched the shorts again recently. I think I now think they had the reason they had so many. Pretty much every adult man had muzzles in there. I think that's because Matt Groening... He wanted all these characters who were authority, all these male authority figures that got mad at Barth, they should look a little like Homer. So he just can't escape a Homer type man telling him stuff.
4: I'm sure it's that, and then also just. The animation reason, which is when you have a character with a defined mouth that's separated by a line, it's so much easier to only animate the mouth and the, not the rest of them, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, all those Hanna-Barbera characters, they always have defined muzzles or some sort of bow tie or something separating their mouth from the rest of their body. It's a little bit of that same sort of uh, instinct.
1: So now that they know they're going to have a new character, they got to take it to the writer's room. Mm-hmm.
10: I have figured out how to rejuvenate the show. It is so simple, you egghead writers would have never thought of it. What we need is a new character, one that today's
11: kids can relate to. Are you absolutely sure that's wise, sir? I mean, I don't want to sound pretentious here, but Itchy and Scratchy comprise a dramaturgical dyad.
2: Hey, this ain't art, it's business. What do you got in mind? Sexy broad? Gangster octopus? No. No. The animal chain of
10: command goes mouse, cat, dog. D-O-G.
2: Uh, dog? Uh, isn't that a tad predictable?
10: In your dreams.
9: We're talking the original dog from hell. You mean Cerberus? We at the network <laughs> on a dog with attitude. He's edgy. He's in your face. You've heard the expression, let's get busy. Well, this is a dog who gets bizay Consistently and thoroughly. So he's proactive, huh? Oh, God, yes. We're talking about a totally outrageous paradigm.
2: Excuse me, but proactive and paradigm, aren't these just buzzwords that dumb people use to sound important? Not that I'm accusing you of anything like that. <laughs> I'm fired, aren't I? Oh, yes. The
7: rest of you writers
10: start thinking up a name for this funky dog. I don't know, something along the lines of, say, Poochie, only more proactive.
7: Yeah!
11: (laughs) So, Poochie okay with everybody?
9: Yeah, yeah I do you know. It's good.
11: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is, is that? good. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
0: so the first person talking, uh, the character rather, not the voice actor, is Bill Oakley, the showrunner. And the other person, uh, a dog, isn't head tad predictable, is Josh Weinstein. And if you've heard us talk to those people on our interviews and on the many, many commentaries, they kind of sound like that. It's it's mm. somewhat of an approximation, Yeah, I think.
1: Well, then the commentary, they... Took some offense at how nerdily they make the writers' voices sometimes. (laughs) So I, I, maybe they calmed it down some for those years.
4: Maybe
0: we saw a lot of these same jokes in the front, in that it is a super overeducated writing staff writing kids' cartoons. Mm -hmm. But now these are all the current writers.
4: Yeah, and I feel like that's probably just how they felt. Mm -hmm. Like they were overeducated. They're watching. (laughs) They're writing these cartoons that I guess maybe only kids are watching at the time. I mean, judging from that interview, mm-hmm. they seemed like they really felt like, oh, it's kind of just kids watch this thing.
1: And there are all these Harvard guys who, I don't know, you go to Harvard, you think you're going to be a senator of uh, some... It's a major thing, and now you're a cartoon boy, I can see <laughs> Maybe look down on yourself a little bit, even though I don't think they should. They should feel – I would much rather everyone be a Simpsons writer than be a congressman. I'm That's
0: sure. true. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this really poisoned my brain against executives, and I, I've never uh, made a cartoon or created one. But um, whenever I've had to work with executives, it sort of turned out like this, and I, and I feel bad about yeah. that. It's like I, don't, I didn't want this to uh, fulfill my expectation, but it did no and uh, me and Bob
1: have been in meetings together with executives and we would reference there. this
0: episode after the meetings were over <laughs> yeah
7: <laughs> I know
1: this was exactly that and how um, well and also how I felt like the George Meyer guy in this where I wanted to just like time to snarkily correct this person who's in <laughs> charge of my job that'll right. show him and uh, scoring little points and correcting your boss maybe it doesn't if you, it doesn't help if you want to it doesn't help you keep a prolonged career I found at a place I but. should
6: really take that advice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, how much do you, how, how familiar is this writers' room and this type of meeting to you? guys? Well,
6: it's it's certainly like a, it's a variation on the thing, and like yeah. you know, the executives we work with are certainly quite a bit more human than this like proto Lindsay Nagel character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I but like
3: that, that is Lindsay Nagel. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. It is because we looked it up after,
6: and it's like I guess it technically <laughs> is technically it
4: is Lindsay, Lindsay Nagel, but,
3: but
6: she's
4: got like
3: black hair.
6: Yeah, and but it's like things like proactive certainly still do seep in yes, all the time on every single so show. So much. Uh, if a character, if a main character is reactive, uh, you're in big trouble. <laughs> um, but like. You know the scenario, of course, of bringing in all of the writers to get this bad news about how their jobs are going to change and how they're going to have to do something that's not a fun idea. Normally, they'd force the showrunner to uh, deliver that news to the writers. (laughs) Yeah, usually head hung low.
4: Yeah, usually we get the news and then we have to tell everybody else. Hey, so this is what they want.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Toby brought up Lindsay Nagel. This is her first appearance, and her hair is different in season nine's uh, episode, "The Girly Edition" or just "Girly Edition" rather. Her hair would be blonde, and she is based on the real life executive Sue Nagel, who would. On HBO for a time, and she was briefly married to Dana Gould. That's how I know about her. Via Dana Gould, yeah. Well, I don't know, a decade. What's a decade (laughs) in a lifetime? (laughs) The Simpsons. A
1: decade isn't that long. Listen, they
0: both they 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 both moved on, so it's fine. They're very happy, nice people.
1: But now that well, that yeah, it's pretty. I think too that Sue Nagel was like the writers knew her. I think she was the agent for more than one of them at the time. Yeah, and she does have
0: blonde hair. If I didn't Mm -hmm. say that.
1: So that uh, that's maybe why Lindsay started looking more like Sue. But she wasn't an executive at that time. So later, she would be. She has a very specific energy they bring up. That's it, why she comes back so many times to have commandments to Krusty. And it's kind of how they kind of exercise their demons towards towards the executives on the show. But... I also, when they fire George Meyer, like he's gone. Like he's not in the next shot. You they don't get to see him exit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love the laziness. They're just like, eh, put you of there. But yeah. 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 Uh, but, it's but, good. <laughs> but especially because. These guys were famous for staying till eight like two in the morning to come up with Colonel Hap Hapoblast. Especially this staff, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
0: they they would they're not the people who settle on a name. This staff was except for Mike Scully, the staff had no children. Few of them were married, so it was the late-night staff for sure.
4: <laughs> One other thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, dramaturgical dyad of <laughs> Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> um I was I was looking into it, so like Itchy and Scratchy I would say like Closest real life analog is probably Tom and Jerry. I mean, or Herman and Catnip, or, you know, Pixie and Dixie and Mr. Jinx, but I would say Tom and Jerry is what we think of. And I was like, how long was it before Tom and Jerry introduced Spike the Bulldog? And it was in the fifth Tom and Jerry short. Wow! Yeah. (laughs) It happened very fast. I think they were like, look, uh, mouse, cat, dog. (laughs) You know?
3: I think it's interesting that Poochie is not attacking them, like like Mm. Scratchy. No, it's true. (laughs) Which would make it entertaining. Yeah. It's done. I mean, he's not wrong. It's sort of a good idea. It's a good idea. Uh, It is a really good idea. And and we followed that idea through.
4: I mean, you know, it leads to those great moments and we've seen Itchy and Scratchy do it before in like Itchy and Scratchy and Marge where they have a common foe. They turn to each other and then they right. shake hands. And they have to unite against. And they
3: <laughs> unite against. A, uh, <laughs> you know. right. But the problem is that everyone, we haven't gotten to that part yet. Like yeah. Everyone has to love Poochie. Exactly. Yeah. That's think, what it really.
0: I think Itchy and Scratchy cartoons are more distinct than Tom and Jerry cartoons. And I love the pre-Chuck Jones, Tom and Jerry's and the pre-Filmation like and everything that followed that. But it's like, I don't recall like, oh, this is the one where X or Y happens. <laughs> yeah. really, they're always in the house. They're always attacking <laughs> each other with things. But they're always fun to watch. I I keep waiting for him to put on a zoot
1: suit and every one of Yeah and yeah. roll a cigarette yeah. <laughs> yeah Yeah I think around 97 is also when this happened for real with Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. Pinky
0: and the oh, Brain we were, and we Elmira. Yeah.
1: Right.
3: That's right. And
0: in the theme song, they referenced that it was executive meddling that yeah. made the show it's worse. That's the
1: network wants. Why bother to
4: complain?
0: And I've never seen those episodes. I don't know if I ever will.
4: There, yeah. You pr- it's okay.
0: I mean, the writers are warning you in the theme song, don't watch don't this. Don't watch these. <laughs>
4: yeah. It seemed like the Elmira concept, someone really wanted to get it off the ground. I think there was a... Tiny Toons episode, which was an Amira stealth pilot. Yeah. Um, or a simpson style show, Yeah, just an all-human family having sitcom type situations. And then I guess it's just when they got to Pinky and the Brains, you know, they're like... Last season, they're like, "Let's revive that Elmira idea."
3: Wait, Pinky and the Brain was prime time, right? It, it
4: became prime. It, time. it was like prime time, off, right? yeah, when it was spun off. But then it went back into kids' TV because I feel like
3: yeah. adding Elmira does not a prime time <laughs> no. shift yeah, produce.
4: No. <laughs> Though I think that like that stealth pilot for that Elmira show was probably targeted as like a primetime show. Mm-hmm. Um well, when they were doing
1: it, like Simpsons was hotter than ever when they yeah. would, would have been producing that. Yeah, those were the
0: Fox years for Tiny Toons. So, like maybe oh. season four of the Simpsons, season three of the Simpsons era. Yeah, they wow.
1: hated be I thought they hated being on Fox since they wrote literal foxes into that show, into the show to try to kill Babs and Buster. And were they also
0: the executives too? Like the Fox executives? They were Foxes? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I pretty sure that. they were.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, the This Ain't Art, This Is Business is a line I was like, well, I should have listened to that when I was <laughs> writing songs. It would have made my life easier. College <laughs> boy. <laughs> Cressy's pitches for new cartoon characters are pretty good though. But oh, at least yeah. yeah. The Gangster Austin Gang- octopus. Gang- yeah,
4: Gangster yeah. Octopus. That actually... <laughs> That's hard
3: to say. <laughs> we both just couldn't <laughs> quite say it.
4: We're never in the cheese
3: Gangster, friends
4: Hour. Gangster Octopus Because yeah, a your villain I think about <laughs> the Itch and Scratchy Friends and how uh, All of them require like A lot more explanation of what's Going on with them like yeah. disgruntled Goat like they, there's probably Like a lot of dialogue setting up You know what's going on in Ku Klux Klan's head
1: Uncle <laughs> <laughs> uh, <the> Ant <laughs> seems like The most boring yeah. of all them. Yeah, yeah. But I, I uh, this, going back to that episode, but I do love, like, when you go to Disney and you can find merch for an obscure character who hasn't been animated in, like, 20 years. That's yeah. always Like, when I went to Tokyo Disney, they they kept, they had, like, wolves everywhere. Like, they seemed to love every wolf toy. I, I had never seen a toy of the wolf from... Three Little Pigs until I went to Tokyo Disney. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. around?
3: That anti-Semitic?
1: Well, <laughs>
6: no, not <laughs> not, that, probably not him not dressed up as
1: anti-Semitic character. That's stuck
6: you in You have to buy the costume <laughs> separately. I have no memory of there being an anti-Semitic costume in that cartoon. Oh, yeah. I watched it in is. third grade. Yeah,
4: they
0: definitely I think they cut is. that out
6: over time. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
10: let's go back to the, the
1: designing Poochie.
10: Oh, no. He was supposed to have attitude. Um, what what do you mean exactly? Oh, you know, attitude, attitude. Uh, the,
2: the sunglasses.
9: Can we put him in more of a hip-hop context? Forget
2: context. <laughs> He's got to be a surfer. Give me a nice schmear of surfer.
9: I feel we should rastify
2: him by 10% or so.
10: I think he needs a little
9: more attitude <laughs> oh yeah there you go there it is right
0: there that's it <laughs> i love it the they trust deal so lines are great <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it right there
3: <laughs> i like how they established that attitude is sunglasses so more attitude is more sunglasses yeah <laughs> they i didn't realize until we heard the clip that it's like there's an equation in there that's tracked
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if you you have to like Basically, underline the sunglasses to make them more sunglasses. Yeah. Just like they have to be entirely black sunglasses mm-hmm. to be the ultimate sunglasses.
0: And that was a director David Silverman. I think we've yeah. interviewed three of the five voice uh, <laughs> uh, people from the show on this episode so far. Though he doesn't sound like
1: that nerdy voice. No, he doesn't. Thing. He actually <laughs> sounds
0: more like Homer in real life. <laughs> yeah. He does a good Homer, I think.
3: You yeah. can see his tuba in the background. Oh,
0: that's yeah, right, which yeah. Is really cool. And he still has his so unibrow, weird. too. <laughs>
1: uh, but boy i mean this is not how character designing goes right
4: guys? i mean usually (laughs) it's just like us standing over someone's shoulder (laughs) not uh everybody in the network but there is can happen but there is like a version of this because basically when after we get greenlit as a show we do have a presentation we have to make like an art presentation yeah, art uh, where we have to basically show all of the designs that we have for all of the characters and you
6: basically like put a, any artwork you've finished of the show at that point which is pretty early in production yeah uh, just like this is kind of what the show is going to look like and then yeah everyone comes in and takes a look and kind of appraises usually these meetings go decently well uh, you, yeah. to my memory mm-hmm. I mean
3: when you're <laughs> fabulous <laughs> artists like you two yeah. <laughs> uh,
6: certainly <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: mm-hmm. yes uh Steven yeah it was we had like I think we did like what we did we do with like a really big one where we like showed off all the characters and
7: mm-hmm. like
4: a couple backgrounds and we stuff We
3: got uh these light up Stars that changed colors, yeah. like from like a from like a party, a party or store something. or something, <laughs> oh, and wow. I and we I lined the oh wow the room with them and turned them all on so they'd be flickering colors. Yeah, I you know you have to it's a mood board. You basically. gotta yeah, you yeah. gotta razzle dazzle. I mean,
6: the Adventure Time one of those is legendary for like setting up the, I'm, I'm apparently there was like AstroTurf all set up. Yeah. And, everything, and it was like yeah. a very
4: like wow. lovingly built, like, yeah, they built the uh, tree house um, and put it in the
6: corner. Of the you got to yeah. explain
3: how it's going to feel and there's, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist yet. So you have to do that stuff. Yeah.
6: I mean, have, ours, we just set up a bunch of art in the pitch room and yeah, yeah. will look at it for about We were like minutes. playing a
4: clip, like, yeah, yeah, like over and over and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was great.
6: Have you used the word
0: rostify uh, <laughs> or have you rostified any characters? Every character 10%. in the show is rostified by at least yeah.
4: 10%. <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, Poochie, we think about a lot. Uh, on OKKO, OK we did an episode uh, called We've Got Pests, okay. which. Um, oh my
1: God, those yeah. guys are
3: all
4: poochies.
1: Yeah. Yes, that was. We had this joke. Yeah. so We you had this see. joke that
3: it was like um, Captain Crunch, oops, all berries, but it's like, oops, all poochies. Yeah. <laughs> but this episode is just all poochies. Yeah.
4: And it was an episode, yeah, about like these. Tiny, it started as um, mascots, mascots, like and then mm, I was
6: thinking gex,
4: 90s video game, that, uh, <laughs> you like you
6: and no one else, like the, throwing the, it's cool. totally my, my, it's my authentic, sincere love of gex. Like, we're like uh, imagining,
4: like, oh, what if gex, I don't know, Jersey Devil and Zool were like, <laughs> would show up Sweet, or something. Zool? Uh, yeah, and like, uh, also like you know, kind of like those 80s t shirt mascots, yeah, like. TNC Surf Designs and you know Rude Dog like that type mm-hmm. of thing. But their
6: their personalities are very poochy like in that they're just focused on being cool and partying and having fun. Mm-hmm. And anytime that uh, that anyone tries to find depth in them, they just it's like a brick wall. Yeah, and they just like want to party more.
4: But yeah, yeah, there's there's something about I love that. that
3: episode. There's
4: something about that kind of character that uh, was so ubiquitous during the 90s. Any mascot post Sonic, I think, Mm. was constantly trying to up the ante on that. Sonic started as the baseline, and
1: everybody's (laughs) like, "Well, we got to keep adding accessories to Sonic. Sonic needs more of these things."
0: It looks like Mm -hmm. Gex lost his sunglasses after the first game, which is bizarre. (laughs) Well,
6: they put him in a lot of different costumes, you know. That's true. uh, Like a Bond, yeah, James Bond
3: The third one had a wrestling cover for some reason. Mm. I think Cool Spot is my favorite because there's nothing there. (laughs) It's it's only. The it's only the sunglasses. The name, the
6: name says it all. He's, and a, cool yes, a, cool he's
3: a cool spot. He's a cool spot. Play the game a lot.
0: And he surfs into the first level. Yeah, That's and he, right. And he shoots,
6: yeah. he shoots carbonation, correct? Yeah, that's, that's right. True. Anyway, yeah. sure. we, are, we can all agree that Gex was the best. <laughs> yeah.
4: Whoa. Hands down. In terms of poochies, yeah, he's, <laughs> okay. he's pretty high up there. I mean,
6: actually, if, a few years ago, wasn't there a thing where IDOS was like trying to be like, hey, you can pitch concepts for some of these certain characters? Mm-hmm. And it was like Fear Effect and Gex. And I was like, I, I was like... I was like meeting oh. with my friend Owen being like, we gotta figure out a pitch for for, for Gex. And, and my pitch my pitch was that it's a normal Gex platformer, but there are DLC quips that get downloaded in every week based on whatever <laughs> the news of the day is. Oh, that's fun. I like that.
0: Uh, I think we need to talk to Dana Gould about Gex. Yeah. Because he wrote uh, most, if not all of the Gex stuff with like a writing part. With Ron
6: Halkey,
1: who who is also wow. drawn into this episode huh. as well. <laughs> that episode of OK Keo with all the Poochies. I also love in that that Rad thinks he's a poochie and then yes. he's subjected
4: like you're not poochie. Enough. He's right. not cool yeah, enough yeah, to be a poochie. Tr- he tries to poochify himself, but he's. <laughs> yeah. they see through him right away.
3: Enid is more poochie than Rad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: She's
6: a natural poochie. She, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm proud of that episode. I, f- I feel like it turned out pretty well. I, l- I love the ending. Yeah, yeah, the ending's lovely.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. so good.
4: But yeah, there's something there's something really uh, that was always really attractive about those characters, and especially mm-hmm. like the ones that they, they just had nothing like rude dog. Like, he was on a t-shirt, and you're just like, he looks cool.
0: Isn't there also Cool Dog? What's the live-action pilot with the dog, cartoon character dog? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was like a Wannabe Roger Rabbit. Was that
7: cool I think it was was cool dog.
3: (laughs) Is MC Scat Cat a poochie? I
6: would say so. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot of depth. I mean, we learn a lot about his his daily life and his romantic relationship with Paula Abdul in the song. (laughs) Yeah. But he's definitely a poochie. Oh,
0: there's an entire album for him. He's got his entire album. I gotta
6: dig in.
4: But yeah, the concept of adding kind of a contemporary character to a legacy series, Mm. like... Itchy and Scratchy is really interesting to me. It's kind of similar almost to, like, Goof Troop, where, you know, Pete and Goofy are these legacy, legacy characters from, like, the 1920s. And they have these kids that are very, like, of their time. They're, like, 90s-era kids, you know?
3: It, it might be a little bit like the Tom and Jerry Grape Ape show.
4: Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, also. Which
3: I feel like the intro to Itchy and Scratching Poochie is almost a joke on Tom and Jerry Grape because they just like pop his name in there yeah. like very awkwardly and yeah. Grape Ape is here. And Grape And Ape. he's yeah. Much yeah. newer. Was he
0: different than Magilla Gorilla? Were
4: they different? Yeah. The yes. Grape Ape's the giant one. Yeah, Magilla okay. Gorilla, he's just a gorilla for sale. <laughs> okay. Does Grape yeah.
3: Ape, is he like a Pokemon? Does he just say his yeah, name along? Grape yeah, he's Grape Ape.
4: Yeah. 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 He's just is that
3: where, is that the source?
4: For Pokemon? Saying their own name? Yes, is does Grape it come Ape? from Grape Ape? Is Grape Ape a Pokemon? I Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if he Boilers.
3: predates Pokemon then uh, I, well, okay. what does this what does this mean? <laughs> I wanna know.
1: I all the signifiers on Poochie are great too, not just the He's got a skateboard. He's got a surfboard. He's got sunglasses. And he has nunchucks. Nunchucks. And a flannel shirt, yeah. too. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, like, baggy jeans. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 he doesn't have a flannel shirt in the later animation. I, that's I, They changed that character design when it came time to animate the animation. It's, it's hard to track. Yeah, it's really <laughs> hard to <laughs> Yeah. The,
6: the nunchucks stuck in his back pocket as though they were Bart's slingshot. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. So that's true. That's nice. Well, I mean, that...
1: that cross-arm pose i owned shirts with bart in that pose in 1990 <laughs> Saying cool
0: your jets man
1: <laughs> yeah. i i do love too when they start the design david silverman just draws like a dog he's just like this is zero let's right be tur-, like they are just turning a knob instead of, <laughs> now he draws it and i really love to alex rocco's satisfied reaction like Haha,
0: perfect. Like, <laughs> there it is right there
1: Now, we've got one new character, but that's not enough for this episode. Oh, that's right.
8: Poochie the dog? Adding a new character is often a desperate attempt to boost low ratings.
2: Yo, yo. How's it hanging, everybody? (laughs) Morning, Roy. Yeah, hi, Roy. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) I've been casting for
5: the voice of Poochie.
8: You should try out, Dad. You have a funny voice.
5: I do not.
8: Haven't you ever listened to yourself on a tape recorder?
5: I prefer to listen to Cheap Trick.
9: (laughs) Here, say something.
5: Hey, this is Homer Simpson saying howdy to all the girls out there in radio land. Hey,
7: this is Homer Simpson saying...
5: I don't sound like that, do I? Oh, I don't like having such a hilarious voice. So the secret of
0: Roy, the secret of Roy is twofold. The real story is... I think around this time, executives were bugging the showrunners of The Simpsons to add a new character, perhaps an older, cooler cousin, but The Real Secret of Roy came out in an interview with uh, Dan McGrath, McGrath, right? Yes.
1: Dan McGrath, writer in Seasons 4, 5, and 6, he co-wrote with Greg Daniels, one of the best ever, Treehouse of Hearts, time, time is Punishment. Right? Yeah. And so one of the alternate timelines they go to, there is no Bart, there's just a droopy-voiced kind of uh, kid named Roy who, bar- who Homer's like, Roy. And <laughs> he just, just like, and Roy is just uh, a real, like, wet blanket on things. And I think they all loved him internally, but they cut it. And so Roy just became a name they threw around <laughs> in, in a place. And Dan McGrath figures that it was just his, his old buddies from season six writing in, just like, well, who would the new kid be?
0: Roy <laughs> This Roy is way cooler
1: This yeah. is not He is the human like, poochie <laughs> Yes <laughs> I mean Roy Gives off A very poly Shore energy I would say Yeah Yeah, yeah. Or he's kind of, of
0: like the Fonz for the 90s though. Right. Like Mr. S. Yeah,
1: yeah that too. Yeah. yeah, he has
4: a, f- a lot of Fonz in him for sure.
1: <laughs> Except the fo- the Fonz works because he's there from the beginning instead of like uh, inserted into the show like Ted McGinley was. <laughs> like the, the, or Mork.
6: Awful. The joke of uh, of Roy's sudden appearance not being acknowledged is executed very well. Yeah. Very funny. I
4: was like,
0: yeah,
6: hi, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> and I
4: don't know. I think now, I mean, we we're just saying season 30, they just started it. I think they could actually bring back Roy for real. Yeah. Uh, kind of like how you know, they should just bring back Osmodiar. Like, let's just, <laughs> oh, you my, know, yes. let's just throw it all at the let's wall. do it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, what's it? Well, who cares?
0: Give Mo a cell phone. <laughs>
4: exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of Bond is for Roy now. If he came back, they said we'd be ready for him in a few years. It's been yeah, more than a few years. I, if, I think if, we're ready.
6: If I were invited to uh, to pitch stories in the writers' room, I would just pitch a somber boyhood style thing about what's happened to Roy since
7: then, in the last like twenty years, and
6: he's aged and they have not. <laughs> I I just noticed
1: that. With I didn't know they brought back Mike Sosha of the of the oh, softball really? team. Huh. He came back uh, in actually in recent Simpsons like seven years ago but he he was there and he had aged he looks like current day Mike Susha but it's like no they and they actually do say weren't you poisoned by radioactive chemicals Uh. and he says it gave me the powers of a super manager
7: but anyway
1: (laughs) So at least they acknowledge that he was at death's door when we last saw Mike Socha. I I
6: do love the newspaper headline too. Funny dog will make life worthwhile. <laughs> that's, I mean that's the dream that your cartoon will be on the front page of a newspaper that people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> read. <laughs> but they buy that space like I don't I don't know what's happening here.
4: Yeah. Uh,
1: so hearing your voice when you recorded, I I never liked it as a kid. This is this was the wrong job for me to get into as somebody who <laughs> like you don't like yeah too your voice. bad. <laughs> I think by exposure I've just been hard. To it, they're like, Well, it's just my job, I gotta hear.
0: I'm in year eight of hearing my own voice for a living, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm over it.
1: Yeah, but but as a kid, when you get your first tape recorded, you hear back, like, that's what I said. Homer's reaction is a very childlike (laughs) reaction, too.
4: Yeah, as a kid who uh, would record his own radio shows on tapes. (laughs) Yeah, I got very used to that, and now like as a professional voice actor, which I guess I am. Yeah, uh, like yeah. when we're you are, <laughs>
3: yeah. which you factually are.
4: Um, yeah, I guess I factually am. But when we're like going over the voice takes and stuff when we're doing animatics, I we never refer to it as my voice. I'm always like, <laughs> ah, that red take doesn't work too well. Like we got to get another pickup on that. Well, I'm like, we're just, I'm just criticizing my own uh, performance. <laughs> so th-
6: I think for the sake of sanity you just have to like separate it that's not me that's rad yeah
3: exactly there's no greater nightmare than my scratch Mm. uh, when my scratch stays in sometimes even all the way through final uh, not not final obviously final but uh, through work print Uh, there'll be chunks of me talking yeah
4: a lot of times when we have to put in like rough uh, scratch voices and it's just like us like the characters will be talking and then Mm -hmm. you hear like Toby's voice popping. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
6: Like, like, like yeah, And I, I did one episode of regular show, and it makes me insane. Just listen to it, it's like. My mom is very proud that you can hear me on TV, but oh. I'm just like, oh god, this is so weird. <laughs> so I like Homer's. I prefer cheap trick. That's what he
1: does instead of listening
0: to himself speak. He's <laughs> listening to cheap trick. Hey, he's not wrong. good. Yeah, okay. they're great. Right. They're
4: great.
1: So it's time to cast that talking dog, and the all these auditions are amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
11: A talking dog. <laughs> what were you guys smoking when you came up with that? We were eating rotisserie chicken. Can you just read the line, please? Rough, rough. I'm
10: Poochie, the rocking dog. You're perfect. In fact, you're better than perfect. Next to you, perfection is crap. <laughs> rough, rough. I'm Poochie, the Rockin' dog. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such cartoons as Christmas Ape and Christmas Ape goes to summer camp. You're even better than this guy. <laughs> Take a hike, you bum. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: by the way, we're still in the first act of this episode. This yeah. first
4: act is like 10 minutes long. It's it might the be same. the
0: longest first act of The Simpsons to date. It could be uh, up there.
4: Yeah, I love I love Roger Myers in this scene. <laughs> this is this is like that kind of like naive. He's just excitable, uh, and he's like—he seems very invested in mm-hmm. this,
1: which is just like great. Well, the first audition is just like brilliant. Yeah! yeah,
0: it's also misleading the audience with the swelling music, and the, <laughs> yeah. everyone is getting this reaction. <laughs>
1: well, I think Otto would have been a good Poochie. I think oh, he'd, he'd be have a, a great. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. Good Homer, actually. I mean, it's he true. is a Poochie as well. That's yeah, a, I think he was. His also his question of "What were you smoking?" when you came up like I. I I believe that is the bane of most comedy writers, is to be asked, what were you smoking? When yeah. You? Mm-hmm. I
3: think as um, Adventure Time alumni, oh, God. I oh. really got sick of that. Yeah, we got that a <laughs> yeah. lot. Yeah. We worked really hard.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, we all know the secret to writing is to get stoned after you
6: write. Also, the, the secret to storyboarding, yeah. uh, especially. But no, that, that happened a lot on regular shows as well, where it's yeah. just like... Uh, okay, please stop. I'm yeah. trying to make a cartoon. It's What's... really hard to... <laughs> it,
4: it just doesn't make any sense to get your ideas from drug use. Yeah.
1: But, I, hey. I, is there at least a lot of rotisserie
4: chicken when you're making the
1: shows?
7: <laughs>
6: you gotta, be, you got to be careful when you're finding lunch in Burbank. Otherwise, you're going to end up falling asleep.
7: It's true. <laughs> we talked about
6: those big white sandwiches last time.
3: <laughs> there is something beautiful. Like, I feel like I have connections to, like... The the lunch I was eating when I happened to when we happened to come up with it because you're always do, like running around doing double and triple yeah, and quadruple true. duty and that's like one of those things where no one's interested in like. The little things that are actually going on when you're coming up with things. I don't know. Yeah. There's something beautiful about that rot- no, red chicken Just, line. To there be. is. I'm like, oh yeah, everyone's probably sitting it, around again. It
4: reminds it. me of uh, being on Adventure Time, and and I remember a storyboard artist pitched an entire episode while oh, holding, with the, with the subway while holding a subway sandwich hand. in his hand. <laughs> oh, um, so Tuna was flying was everywhere. Amazing. It was it was great, and it's like I always think about. It. Yeah, it yeah.
3: was it was wrapped in plastic. Clothes, but he was gesturing up, with but it. He was
4: like using it as a pointer. Yeah, and then this happened and this happens. You
0: know. I think he'd
3: just gotten it and it was time to pitch. Yeah, it.
4: yeah. And that character talking was
0: uh, Futurama co-creator David X. Cohen. Not the voice actor, by the way. That was Harry Shearer doing like a Woody Allen impression. <laughs> but, uh, and he's wearing a fossil in his t-shirt because I believe he collects fossils. It's a squid. A he's squid. A squid, squid, squid right. Okay. Yeah, he
4: mentions that.
1: Because right. his dad is a marine biologist That's right, too. that's right.
0: I think he also collects fossils on top of that.
1: Yeah, he tells a funny story in the Futurama DVDs of uh, commentaries of going to an auction for fossils and thinking he's going to get them. And then when the first fossil comes up, Nicolas Cage starts bidding and he can't get a single one of them. fossils. I hope we see
0: what he's doing to pay off that fossil debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, Mandy's good, right? Yeah. yeah, I think. I, The first one in a while.
3: I had this moment of meeting David S. Cohen. Oh. Uh, well, this, this is the thing. I'm a fan of both David S. Cohens. The... Simpsons, Futurama, David S. Cohen, ex-Cohen, and the David S. Cohen that worked on Courage a Cowardly Dog. I oh, met yeah. the David S. Cohen that worked on Courage a Cowardly Dog, and I said, oh, and I'm also, I'm also a fan of that, and mm. I was like, oh, it's so great to meet you. It's so nice to meet you, David S. Cohen. And he goes, oh, no, you want the other David S. Cohen. Oh. And I go, no, I want you. I love Courage a Cowardly Dog. <laughs> you know, did you write that poem for Freaky Fred? Like, I wanted to know everything <laughs> about oh. him. He seemed a little, uh, well, he shouldn't have been surprised, because wow. he's great. I didn't yeah. realize that
0: was the David S. Cohen that ch- uh, caused the name change for uh, yeah. Uh, yeah." yeah. yeah.
6: I met David X. Cohen once at like a post Emmys party. And I was very, very—I overdid it. I think I was like mm-hmm. Listen to every Futurama commentary, and he was—he was extremely polite. I—I
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think with Cohen as the the writer of this episode. I think as a Futurama guy, I think he, that gets him overlooked as his Simpsons writing. Like he's written some of the best episodes, including this one. Like he—he, right. he, it was a real hit to the show losing him to Futurama. Yeah,
0: I think it was one of our interviews in which it was said Cohen would have been the showrunner if it wasn't Mike Scully. If if Cohen didn't leave. Wow it would have been cohen in mm-hmm. running season nine man
4: mm-hmm. i wonder what that yeah it's it would weird a to think of that show. Yeah. That timeline yeah wow
1: there would have been <laughs> more even more math jokes <laughs> uh, i couldn't handle it. well that so that troy audition too i love that one christmas ape sounds like a perfect like ruby spears or Hannah yeah cartoon. would have been mm-hmm. in in like 1979 yes also, it almost feels like Phil Hartman is goofing on how he would have uh, auditioned for roles. of just like, hi, I'm Phil Hartman. This is me.
0: <laughs> the Christmas ape thing I see, uh, so the summer camp thing I see is them trading on the fame of Christmas ape in the same year. Like, if they like them <laughs> right. Christmas, they're going to love them in summertime. If,
4: yeah, it feels like it was a uh, single like clamshell VHS Christmas ape, and then they were like, okay. We, we got Christmas Ape out there. Did pretty well. Let's put all of our bones into Christmas Ape Goes to Summer Camp.
1: Christmas in July. Yeah. <laughs> Which clearly didn't pay off because they did not, there wasn't another Christmas Ape after that. It's a shame. <laughs> and poor, poor Otto just destroyed. He goes from, uh, like, he has his star is born moment and then immediately just thrown away.
3: <laughs> He'll or, be fine. Yeah, he's okay.
1: <laughs> There's still one more audition to go.
10: <coughs> ruff, ruff. I'm Poochie the rockin' dog. Now that's just bad. You got no attitude, you're barely outrageous, and I don't know what you're in, but it's not my face. Next.
5: Oh, no attitude, eh? Not in your face, huh? Well, you can cram it with walnuts, ugly. (laughs) That's it. That's the
10: Poochie attitude. Do that again.
5: Huh? I can't. I don't remember what I did. (laughs) Then you don't
10: get the job. Next! Oh, I don't get the job, do I? (laughs) Well, poo-hoo! I don't get to be a cartoon dog! That's it! You've got the job! Oh, now I got the job, huh?
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the end of the first act. Can yeah. you believe that? That, that is, is such a long, long act. Wow. A long
1: first but that—I uh, mean—that's never actually happened in making in audition history, right? Of insulting or, the producer and getting the job in any job history. <laughs>
0: yeah. No one appreciates like, spunk.
1: You've got moxie, like <laughs> Mr. Show had the greatest sketch on that. Yes. Yeah. You know what? A- You're right you get
3: a ring There's that famous Zero Mostel story where he went in, I think I think it's to an audition and they said, "Do something funny." And he took the typewriter off the person's desk and threw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs>
6: um, that is funny. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, I think so too. I don't know if he got that job, but I, he should have.
1: I also, I like Homer's terminology of cramming with walnuts, and then yeah. he does like a thumb up version of yeah, it with movies. walnuts.
3: I, it with walnuts, ugly. <laughs>
7: yeah. Ugly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ugly. <laughs> and then Alex Rocco loves that. That's the speed, which that energy doesn't seem right for the rockin' dog, the telling someone to cram it with walnuts.
0: Yeah, like Poochie's more positive and proactive. <laughs> yeah.
3: Maybe they're still in the original dog from hell mindset at this yeah, point. They, so. they, they definitely shaved some edges off for the final.
1: It's true. So we get to the first recording here. I kind of wish we got more of June in this episode.
5: Yeah. Okay, Homer. Let's get a level check on your boys. She smells, sheet smells by the sheet store. Wait, wait, let me try it again.
9: Relax, Homer. You'll do fine. I'm June Bellamy. I do the voices of Itchy and Scratchy.
5: You? But you're a lady. She's a lady, all right. Ah, beautiful lady. <laughs> hey, it really is you. How'd you get to be so good?
9: Oh, just experience, I suppose. I started out as roadrunner.
2: Meep. You mean meet me? No, they only paid me to say it once. Then they doubled it up on the soundtrack. Cheap bastards.
0: <laughs> so that's a parody of June Foray, who was actually on what, what would have been the first Simpsons episode, which never yeah. was, "The Sub Enchanted Evening," where she plays the uh, phone operator for the babysitting service, the owner of yeah. the giant phone, the giant phone, <laughs> the biggest phone in Springfield. She owns it. But yeah, she did make it to her hundredth birthday. She passed in 2017. 2017. Yeah, yeah, she she almost made it to her hundredth birthday. But yeah. She was voice acting up until the end. I think um, she was even in the new Ducktales game in 2012, yeah. with
4: Alan Young. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. magic of the spell. We've we've been lucky enough to be in the same room as her a wow. couple a couple different times.
6: Yeah, usually when I, she she would present at the Annie Awards, there'd be like a nice section. For mm-hmm. Her. Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: yeah, sweet. She was always a huge advocate for artists for animators. It's True. In yeah. a way that. I mean, just above and beyond everybody else. She she was such a force.
4: Yeah, in fact, the Annie's I think was uh, she spearheaded the idea of mm. creating that award for animation. Yeah, so
1: I I was ashamed to find out all that facts like only after she passed away. I wish I had known that beforehand, but I I just knew her as the the voice acting legend who had been. I mean, it was just wild to me when she. Uh, When I was watching like interview clips of her, that like she was someone who had been like directed by Walt Disney and Chuck Jones and all these legends up into the 2000s, like she was just this line to history of animation history. It was just uh,
0: amazing. Yeah, it's great that Tress voices her, because I think Tress McNeil is our generation's June Foray. She'll be doing so, it, yeah, hopefully, would, until she's 100 years yeah, old. Yeah, I would
4: say so. She's probably, like, the closest thing we have to kind of, like, that sort of can-do-almost-anything sort of voice, voice actress.
1: Who's appeared in, like, everything and is also, like... She's she is Daisy Duck, like that is yeah. as famous as it gets in cartoons. With June here, that they were able to put in another behind the scenes thing of just Nancy Cartwright meeting people and just like you voice Bart, you're a woman. That, you can't do oh, that. Oh, Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, um, I
4: didn't mm-hmm. think about that.
3: Although, well, according to the commentary, Dan's doing right, that's Dan those and Harry. Yeah. 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 Right? Dan, or, is,
0: or- Dan is itchy, Harry is scratchy. Right. Yeah. Usually, but sometimes they even forget. <laughs> uh, but somehow yeah. they allowed scratchy clips at Universal Studios, even though there's clearly no other oh, Harry yeah. Shearer stuff Wait, there. Really? Because then of it
3: re- must not be him there. Yeah. Did yeah.
1: he?
4: It might have been uh, redone. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Dan
1: talking over it, perhaps. I guess. Yeah.
4: When we saw Simpsons at the Hollywood Bowl, they redubbed all the clips with Harry in them.
3: I think they avoided what? many of oh, them. Yeah, wow. and they
4: avoided really? a bunch of them too. Yeah, it was That's weird because they played a clip from the Simpsons movie with mm-hmm. Flynn. Flam- in it and I think they like oh, no. right. they like had a fake Flanders voice. It was Whoa. really weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you're there in the park you realize how many characters he voices that just aren't represented like yeah. Skinner and Flanders and yeah. just a few others that are like oh boy Rainier they're just Wolf not here. Castle,
1: even There's a Rainier Wolf Wolfcastle looking
4: guy yeah. on the sign but it's not him. That's why it's yeah that uh, Simpsons ride it's cool but the mm. story is super weird because none of his characters are in it. So it's kind of like.
1: Well, they're lucky they had Sideshow Bob because it sure. really should be Burns. It should the be Burns' right, Yeah. You'd think. Yeah. Uh, how accurate is this recording setup to the real thing?
4: Not at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can't imagine like what kind of well, room tone they have in there. How <laughs> often like, are they
0: together, uh, voice actors, for your shows?
4: Uh,
6: fairly often. Yeah, we try yeah. to we try mm-hmm. to
4: get people together like when we can. I think that's the goal. I think yeah. it just
6: depends on what kind of cast you have um, and what the schedules are like. But usually, yeah, in OKKO, OK like usually we've got several people there.
4: Yeah, for us, usually you know we try to get the core main characters together okay. Okay. Uh, so you know we've got Courtney Taylor who's KO and then Ashley Birch who's Enid and then me as Rad we try to get them all together but you know it's tough sometimes people have different schedules Ashley's super busy Mm -hmm. you know and then you have to kind of patch people in you guys are pretty good with getting some of like the core characters
3: yeah I really like to have people be together yeah especially I mean if it's narratively important one of my favorite times recording was we we were getting Charlene and Erica who are Ruby and Sapphire respectively Mm -hmm. and And Charlene was sort of having a tricky time, like, laughing on cue. And Erica was like, oh, just, like, let all the air out of your lungs and it becomes easy (laughs) to, like, then laugh on cue. And then she tried it and she did it. And she's like, oh, it worked. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think Sapphire just taught Ruby how to laugh. (laughs) I was having such a moment.
6: (laughs) Uh,
4: But, yeah, you want to get people together because the the chemistry is really important. Yeah, Yeah.
6: Especially, like, when we get all the heroes and all the robots together. I feel like that's, like, an especially fun uh, time.
4: When you can actually, like, have them fight each other in real time. Yeah, yeah does
0: Jim Cummings record with other people? Yeah, uh, he does. Okay. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah,
4: we have not in a lot. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I've gotten to do, like, a couple scenes with him, like, as Daryl and him as uh, Boxman. And that's always, like, really fun because we just start playing off of each other.
6: He, I mean, of course, he's he's legendary. And, like, yeah. it, the, the fun thing is, is that that having conversations with him, like, we will just be talking about something. He'll always be like, oh, I was in that. Like, we were talking about that movie, yes. the, that movie the, the Mangler. The Mangler, yeah. And we were just like, oh, yeah, we watched The Mangler for Halloween he's like oh I was the mangler
7: (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow yeah
4: Uh. yeah I didn't know that. And, yeah. But yeah, it's great, especially with someone like Jim, who's so good. When you have a room full of other people, his personality, it really comes out. and His lines get bigger and crazier. He does like funnier things. It's like, it's great.
6: With, with Boxman, we really let him go off the rails. Yeah, we're like, um, just go amazing.
4: crazy. The setup in the episode, yeah, is not super realistic. You'd
3: need a glass... Wall and door between you. Yeah,
4: yeah. the engineer is in the room with them in this, yeah. in this
0: scene, right? Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean they're, the elements of, of mics, a mixing board. Yes. You're, just, you, you're not going to be.
4: But it doesn't especially look soundproofed at all. Well, they have
3: these like padded walls, which we don't. I mean, I guess we have. Yeah, we have like some sound like dampening that.
4: stuff. Yeah. yeah,
3: it's an interesting way of drawing because they must maybe it looked like they must be in there all the time know. or maybe the writing and the recording is a little separated or yeah this, this could the be the uh,
4: wimpiest
0: voice of all of the people mm-hmm. they're, uh, oh, the, they're the sound guy? Just, yeah. just read the line please <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> also they're holding the scripts by hand which I thought don't you have like a music stand
3: type thing or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you have to avoid the is sound it, of is the that paper paper that would have been
6: bad for the drawing I think just to have the music mm-hmm. stand uh, cutting the uh or whatever yeah, but it's still
0: paper scripts then it's not like an iPad or something. Oh, we do paper. Yeah, we. Yeah, we still because
4: you have to. You're gonna have to write on it. Usually, Mm -hmm. you know, the actors like to. Give themselves notes as they're recording, yeah. so yeah, underline things. Mm-hmm.
1: And Myers directs these sessions too; like he's 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 very invested in this. He's like so hands on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's funny we were laughing about how how nerdy and dorky all of the writers and staff of the Simpsons sound in this episode, but for the most part, in these episodes, they are directed by the showrunners, so mm. they shouldn't be
1: surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. Now, I, on the commentary, Josh Weinstein literally says, "Like these are really insulting these voices here." <laughs> <laughs> So, and then the marketing push for Poochie begins there, too, which, like, I, that standee that says whatever you want, that also is a very, like, those existed for Bart 2 in the 90s. Yeah, he loved Was selling it?
3: Brillo Pads. Brillo Pads, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. That's so funny. It's that's, real.
6: That's the dream, you know, to have a cardboard cut out of uh, your character. Uh, yeah. Used to sell garbage. <laughs> like, selling if anything. only.
0: Yeah, Poo had to move those Brillo Pads.
1: That's a good price for Brillo Pads, I think. Maybe, not, I don't know, $97, but that's a good <laughs> And also getting Homer on the cover of a magazine too Like that's that's also what feels The uh, genius of work moment here But that also feels like They'd want to cast Troy McClure So then he could be on the right. magazine covers To further promote it That's why you get a famous guy Not some unknown named Homer Simpson Though I guess in Springfield Homer co- should be kind of famous by now <laughs> By now,
0: but they always forget about him Hey, everybody, we've got some great news. We've got a new shirt just in time for Halloween. Isn't that right, Henry? That's right. And just like our previous shirt, it was designed by our
1: wonderful artistic friend and previous guest on the show, Nina Matsumoto. But this time, it is a tribute to one of our classic Simpsons jingles.
11: Yes! No!
0: It is a spooky black shirt with the death stalks you at every turn slogan along with a skeleton baby that looks very similar to Maggie (laughs) playing with blocks. And what do the blocks say? R.I.P. Exactly. It's the perfect thing to to wear to freak out the squares and show your love for Talking Simpsons.
1: If you're a fan of black t-shirts like myself, you finally got it yourself, your own official Talking Simpsons t-shirt in black. It looks great and you can wear it at any time, but it's perfect for the Halloween season. And hey, if you're going to go to one of our live shows this month in October over, Why not even get one to wear there? But where can you buy this? What web address
0: could you go to? That's right. Go to tinyurl.com slash SimpsonsDeathShirt to check it out and buy one. That's tinyurl.com
1: slash simpsonsdeathshirt, and you can find it there. Or if you'd like to go to the storefront that we have, it is at shirtsickle.com, like popsicle, but with shirt in front of it, S-H-I-R-T-S-I-C-L-E and you can find it and also our first Talking Simpsons t-shirt which is still available there Ion Podcast which also by Nina
0: Matsumoto inspired by the Ion Springfield logo in a beautiful sky blue and if you buy either of the t-shirts or both we all get money from it including Nina so it's a great way to help the show and be stylish again that's tinyurl.com slash Simpsons death shirt to check it out
1: Oh boy, okay, so the hardcore fans, here we are at the scene that is this show that being <laughs> It's a nice
0: pull to Homer Goes to College, though, or pull from that. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Right, right. Yeah, it's good to see them again.
2: Hi, question from Miss Bellamy. In episode two F09 when he plays Scratchy's skeleton like a xylophone, he strikes the same rib twice in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. <laughs> I mean, what are we? To believe that this is some sort of, uh... <laughs> a magic xylophone or something? Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Uh, well... Uh- I'll field this one.
5: Let me ask you a question. Why would a man whose shirt says genius at work spend all of his time watching a children's cartoon show? Hmm... I draw my question. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Uh, excuse me, I'm in uh, on the itchy and scratchy CD-ROM, is there a way to get out of the dungeon without using the wizard key? What
5: the hell are you talking about? You're a lifesaver,
2: Homer. I can't deal with these hardcore fans. <clears throat> your attention, please.
3: An um, episode... Hey, uh, your attention,
11: please! <laughs>
4: <laughs> Boy, this made me realize how much I missed data. Yeah, (laughs) data
0: key?
4: (laughs) Is that a I feel like that's a reference to like Virtual Springfield, like them getting like guff for like that game? I think we're pre Virtual Springfield. Oh, we're pre that
1: I think it was it was ninety seven. I mean I think they probably got multiple questions about Simpsons video games there, and they're like, We don't touch those things. (laughs) What are you talking about?
0: But this is one of the first references to, like, a Comic-Con-style appearance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think Mission Hill will be one of the first, di- like, direct depictions of Comic-Con mm-hmm. on TV. And these hardcore fans are very...
1: It's the nerds on it. And look, I know I'm Doug, okay? Yeah. I'm Doug, fine. <laughs> it's, Which nerd am I, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> that, that scene spoke to me as a kid because I was the type of person who was super detail oriented in watching all these cartoons. And I was bothered when a xylophone played the wrong note when it wasn't <laughs> cracked. And, Now I know it's like, it's a cartoon. They messed up or something was different or it doesn't matter. But I, it was, those things were important to me.
4: I've come all the way around where now those things are the things that I love about Mm -hmm. cartoons. Uh, (laughs) Those inconsistencies exist. It's just like, those are like, oh yeah, that is magic. Toby, you were saying that like you have
6: that scene you were like really on both sides of that divide. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, that's, it's my life uh, all there together. It's like, (laughs) I'll have conversations where I'm playing both parts almost where it's just like, and I have to, I have to hold back from the genius at work thing sometimes, or sometimes it's a useful uh, thing, but it's also like, not to get too dark, but it's like, it's almost quaint how tedious those questions are. It's like, it's like, I'd be grateful for not loaded questions. Honestly, that kind of, yeah, honestly,
4: like thinking about where nerd culture is, that being, like, your issue with your fans yeah. is kind of cute. Yeah, adorable. Like, the, <laughs> fact that, the fact that these fans aren't uh, taking, like, your work and spinning it into grist for, like, a culture war or, like, mm-hmm. sending you death threats or, like, you know, it's actually, yeah. like, it's actually, like, kind of sweet that people just care about the material. Uh,
0: we don't really get that that much. <laughs> On, on later commentaries they talk about I think in the year 2000 they had a trivia off against fans of the show the writers mm-hmm. and then they realized how little they know about the Simpsons <laughs> compared to fans so I think this is like a preview of that yeah. real life event
1: yeah I guess this anger at the hardcore fans here is more there's later they're different anger at the hardcore fans but here it is that, that I guess the writers issues are that they care about this minutia that doesn't matter to the quality of the Simpsons and you're wrong for feeling that and I think too it's a a very wish fulfillment moment for the writers who they wish they could just be like straight up mean to a bad question asked by somebody <laughs> and even then they couldn't do it like now i wouldn't think if if mac Raining at a panel said insulted somebody like homer does there that would have just been the news everywhere like you kind of you couldn't you can't do that well, well and you know
4: that that joke when he insults that fan, it's kind of a groaner. It's not yeah. like a bust out, laugh out loud moment. I mean, yeah. what is the what is really the best reaction you could get from being so cruel?
6: Mm-hmm. It's it's tough because it's like when you're when you're in that kind of setting, especially now, especially you know all the panels are filmed and everything. It's like really, it's like oh, we're performing for them. You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's almost like a flip. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think it's. I remember well, when I first started doing cons. I, I mean, I've certainly been. Them. And when we would do panels and and we would have questions, I would be really nice because I super relate to everyone who comes to me and asks these kind of questions and is paying such close attention. Yeah. And I think some of the people who are detail oriented. Especially with Steven, it, I love it because we put a huge amount of details in it. So it, w- it was uh, like a match made in heaven when we were doing our panels. But, but I think people on the studio side would be like, oh, you're so nice to everybody. Like, it was new. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm like, well, of course. I mean, I was I came to Comic-Con as a fan years for years yeah. and years before I was on the other side. And I, I mean, I actually don't know if I ever made I never made it to ask a question. But I would be in that room.
4: You'd be wondering, like, those uh, things, yeah, those I, details. I think, yeah.
3: I think I, I'd be poring over details. So. And when,
4: when people do like yeah have those detail oriented questions about something you
6: worked on it's very exciting to me yeah uh, i'm usually just very grateful that someone cares yeah
1: now i think uh, rebecca when you did the best show last year and you were fielding fan questions that was so you you fielded those very well. Like I think one of my favorites was the person who asked like what gemstone that Jasper had become now after fusing with the corrupted gem and Oh yeah. Uh, people will listen to to hear like a, a good way to answer those types of questions.
3: Oh thanks. I, I remember how, how I, I answered. <laughs> it was something
4: it's something like tiger's eye. I remember.
1: Yes. That, it's
3: but, Zebra Jasper. We, I mean we have the stones yeah. on the model sheets to, to pull colours from so we always know what everyone mm-hmm. is and
4: and I think um, there is, like, kind of a, um, a delicate art to answering those questions because uh, when you let people know a lot about the process of how something is made, the magic disappears for them.
3: I have a theory so about
4: you this. You kind of have to give them both.
3: Should I say my, my donut theory? Oh,
4: yeah, yeah, is the donut s- hole.
3: Is this boring?
4: I mean, it might I, it's, <laughs> I think it's really. I think it's really interesting. Okay.
3: Okay. I have a theory. It's that it's like a donut. Where if you're on the outside of the donut and you don't know anything about animation, you can experience it fully. It'll wash over you and you'll enjoy it. Once you start to learn a little more, you're inside of the donut. Where all of a sudden you appreciate it less because you know a little of how it's made, but you don't know so much about it. Well, once you get all the way into the donut hole, you know so much about animation that all of a sudden all the limitations all all the little issues that are being worked around. Like you can see all the problem solving and suddenly it's magic again. It's like
4: really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But
3: you you would have to know every facet of TV animation production to get there and just be like, Oh, that's how they did every little piece of this oh my gosh and they pushed a little harder here and that's how they got this done and wow well, they you know took this error and they turned it into something that read you know like like but you can't everywhere in the it's the donut part is sad because <laughs> it makes you like things less you think oh i i get how this works and i see how this was a trick and it's seeing,
4: uh, yeah we're seeing seeing that something is f- fake makes it less magic for you. Yes, well and, that, and yeah. it's
3: it's sort of I mean animation is magic. It's it's a magic trick that's its origin. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're either just experiencing magic or you're a magician in training, or you're a wizard. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to, that's the donut, that's my theory.
4: And yeah, being fully on the inside, actually we were in the car coming over here and I was talking about the shot where Homer is uh, auditioning and he's in front of that gelled light. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that was a bi-. I was like, that's a pack shot where they, you know, where they shoot a, silhouette version of the character in front of an effect so that they can get that transparency and it's a cool in-camera thing that you could only do it on cells and it's super interesting and I'm like <laughs> right. who is that interesting to? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, And I'm like,
3: oh, they didn't have it on the reverse shot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible mistake. And uh, yeah, we were talking about um, there's a lot of lip sync related humor in this episode. Yes, absolutely. Which is really I just think it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, the
4: lack of lip sync on pooch. Himself, well, and Mark. yeah, exactly. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Well,
1: I also think though too, like the they're making a joke with the two fo nine thing too, because like even the most hardcore Simpsons fans I know they would never refer to something yeah. by production code like that. Yes. And even
0: we don't know that. No. We can yeah. name like the first and last episodes, maybe the second. <laughs> episode but never to the production extent that codes. i know
1: production codes now it's just when i know like oh this was produced in season six by the spin-off group of Al right. Jean, like that's why it is that <laughs> production code
6: the, the simpsons production codes are incredibly confusing and i remember being a kid and reading the production codes in the end credits yeah. hoping to know like what episode number it was and then not getting that information mm-hmm. that i wanted <laughs> we, we actually we put the production codes at the front of all of the OKKO OK episodes yeah and okay because it's just like yeah. It's, it's, it's for our younger selves, basically. Yeah, uh,
4: we were like, we'll put the production code front and center because uh, someone is on a wiki somewhere putting that information in. So we got to be well,
1: sure so about it. Did you guys look up which Simpsons episode was 2F09? no okay. which it is homer is the great that's, oh, is, really okay yeah really <laughs> and also the sentiment of like i hope somebody gets fired for that blunder like that this hardcore fan is like hope wishing ill on the production team See, that's that, not that's
6: not so good well, that, that, that's where I, you get into people who are trapped in the wrong part of the donut where it's like i'm using that information to make me mad at the cartoon instead. and it's it, like i know a little bit i know just enough to be mad at I, the perceived failings
4: and i think that's kind of where we are uh you know, and I don't want to come off as a searing indictment of the <laughs> nerd culture that we live in, but I do think there is like people who know just enough to know who made a thing, who stars in a thing, and then use that information to, you know, stalk people, harass them off of their accounts, to, Mm. you know, create, like, campaigns against, like, people who they think are causing all the ills to, like, you know, the direction of the movie that they love. I mean, people try to get me fired from podcasts I (laughs) co-own,
0: so uh, I'm really used to that.
1: Yeah, no, we've we've both seen our offer share of that.
3: I... Uh, probably a lot less than you guys have. Yeah, yeah
0: nothing on the scale of a TV uh,
7: show
3: I say this xylophone thing at work all the time. Yeah, I say this all the time. I, I think when when we have something that we did, oh, we oh, we just caught we just caught a shot. This was last week. Oh yeah, on one frame. Stephen has three, is he, has four fingers he has on four one, fingers, one of his hands. Yeah. You know this because I came home. I with Ian. <laughs> There's a frame Where He's got three fingers. On I know. One it's of his
4: like hands. on a single frame. Yeah. Yes, on a single yeah.
3: frame. You know, and that's when I, this is sort of a mantra of like it's a o- it's okay. Exactly,
4: magic xylophone. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's
3: magic xylophone. <laughs> There's a shot in Sworn of the Sword where Amethyst is in the wrong outfit. Two shots, actually. Oh, I don't know how I missed that. It went, it's, We oh, just it's had just, one. We just yeah, had one. Of yeah, these. where oh. it was
4: like Enid uh, is supposed to wear, be wearing gloves, and then in one scene you see her hands and she doesn't
6: have gloves. They're mispainted. On. Yeah, they're mispainted. And it's just like, look, we watch these things. 35 to 40 times, yeah. probably in the in production. And it's like, we should catch everything, but somehow those, some of those things do slip through. Though,
4: so, I mean, <laughs> I think we do a farsight better than all of the cartoons we watched as kids. <laughs> I'd. I'd I'd heard a little bit from people who uh, used to work at Deke on like those Super Mario Brothers mm, cartoons no. and they said, you know, we got the footage off of the plane from Asia, <laughs> put sound effects under it and put it on TV the next week. And <laughs> we you, didn't care. You, you can
3: tell. And you can tell. There's like, characters saying other characters but 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 as a kid
4: i was just sort of happy it was there
1: you (laughs) know i was happy
3: to just the mario brothers were moving and talking
7: exactly i I don't have
1: to look (laughs) too close at that though i as a little kid i think the ones that made me the most man were superhero ones because i already had my comic nerd (laughs) obsession there and so if i saw batman's insignia inverted into color oh actually, yeah that happened all the time way. like that would and I get or Spider-Man's costume go wrong like those are complicated <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have been mad about those things. As a kid, I would get like, How do you get that wrong? It's Batman's handler.
6: <laughs> Someone hopefully did indeed get fired for that blunt. Yes.
1: I guess it's also like, This makes me kind of break out of a sweat hearing this question from Doug, too, because I don't, I have asked these questions at Comic Cons in, in my teens. Like, I was the, I don't think I was too mean about her saying somebody should get fired. I was like, "Hey, why did Vertigo cancel this book?" Like, I would ask that kind of question. Right. And, and now I see, like, why I, I, I could have been a little nicer <laughs> to those people. <laughs>
3: I, I feel bad about that now. That's the space you did it right. That's what it's for. Good for you. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's there. This is there's a you know there's a place for that. To it's happen. a socially acceptable place and to ask those questions. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, as someone who I, I get very nervous on the other side of that, but that's the place. Yeah. That's where it's meant to happen.
1: uh, Then they start the signing at this comic shop, too, which I I swear, the people in the line to go into the comic shop, they are so specific it's one of those ones that feels like well these are animators the animators is mm, like oh maybe they are, they're very specific I, I forget what Stephen Dean Moore looks like I think he drew himself into Hurricane Nettie he's like the uh, a ponytail or something yeah blonde, a blonde guy, yeah, guy yeah. with a ponytail that's his look The uh, which I think is also the guy who uh, sells who plays keyboards and also sells <laughs> the pools works <It's> in like, <laughs> the pool shirt and then comic book guy actually this is one of the most like comic book guy moments ever too that he is the reason a lot of people become comic shop owners is to be the arch nerd in the room <laughs> right? Of you know, I boss all of you around now. I, and I cut to the front of the line and get all the signatures from, from Homer Simpson.
4: Yeah, comic book guy, it, I always think about the comic book stores of my youth. Like the one I grew up The one in the town I grew up was very similar. One I will always remember is uh, when I went to college and I lived in New York, there was a comic book store on the same street as my school. Oh, Cosmic? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're not there anymore, but... um, They're gone? I think so, yeah. But the thing about them was that they were like... It was like comic book guy extra edition. It was like going into a record store, oh, you know. Like the
3: guy there was very rude to me. Like they oh, would like yeah. if you when
4: you brought stuff <laughs> well, up.
3: Well, that always happened.
4: Yeah, really but when you brought stuff up to the counter, they would judge your worth oh, based god. on yeah. like it was the
7: comic. really
1: it
4: was very intense. intense. Yeah. Oh my now, god! I had a
1: comic shop like that too. I. No, I had another comic shop where the guy just didn't care whatever he sold. He's like, whatever your pull is, just buy it. I don't care. I haven't read comics in 10 years. <laughs> the comic wow. shop
0: I went to is mostly about selling lotto tickets. Comics were just all <laughs> oh, there sort go. Store. Oh, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah. in
6: In Fargo, North Dakota, there was only one major comic book store. And the, the, the guy who ran that place was very gentle. He was very kind. Oh, I'd nice. come in and be like, I read about this thing called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Can
7: I rent that? <laughs> oh. And then he'd be like, oh, sorry,
6: our, v- our AVA Volume 1 VHS is rented out, but might I recommend oh. Pat Labor? Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, really and then wow. and then or like and then by the end we were like trading fans sub VHSs. Whoa. That's so nice. Yeah.
1: I was the Evangelian trader in my community. Like I was the kid who had every VHS and so I just would be like okay want to start here you go volume yeah. 1 and then they eventually they just copied my copies of it right. Right, and share it spread that around so I'm sorry ADV I should try to talk
6: them you killed a, them I, I, you did not do it now enough <laughs>
3: <laughs> my shop was Big Planet Comics in Maryland in Bethesda Maryland That's where I would always go. They sold my comics when I was, like, 15 and 16. That's so nice. (laughs) Wow, Mm -hmm. that's great. They
6: refused to do that when I brought my comics in. Oh,
3: Oh
0: my Yeah,
4: my my local one, Comics to Astonish, in uh, Columbia, Maryland, they didn't sell any zines, but I wanted to, I kept trying to, like, Hey, will you put these in the store? But, Not,
1: yeah, my local places uh, as a kid, they never sold zines. I never saw sold zines at places until I moved to Berkeley and like Comic Relief there, which was a great store. Now it's called Fantastic Comics. But it's still a good store. They were selling zines. I was like, whoa, they, you <laughs> can do this. And same with like multiple bookstores there would sell too. It was really cool.
4: Android's Dungeon strikes me as the kind of place that would sell zines. <laughs> it seems like it, they, it's kind of just whatever comic book guy would want to
6: put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Now, d- Rebecca, when you sold your comics, were they on the zine shelf or were they, they alongside like the monthly floppies? Like, where were they placed? They were on the
3: zine shelf mm-hmm. with like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and that, wow. kind, of, that kind of Lenore. You know, um. it was over it was over there. Also they were goth comics. <laughs> so so they were appropriately yes. categorized. I mean they were you know, they looked like the work of a fifteen year old. But <laughs> but genre wise they were in the right place. Yeah. I suppose. No one bought them by the way though. I have
1: to throw that out there. Uh, I had one last genius at work comment is that When he's making that comment about a meaningless mistake that is in an episode, Mm -hmm. sitting next to him is his friend Benjamin, who is colored the wrong color. He's a Ah. redhead in all his previous appearances. And so that is a thing you would say, I hope somebody gets fired for that blunder. But when it's in that scene, do you think it was intentional? That they're like, is Whoa. somebody going to complain about feel, this when
6: they see it? I feel or? like if it was intentional, they would have bragged about it on the commentary. Yeah, I, I would have, so. If I had done right, that, they I would did, have yes, bragged about it.
4: Because telling someone the instruction to get something wrong on purpose is actually very difficult. <laughs> it's more work. It's, it's much more so work. It's so much more work. Like, they're, I think on... Stephen, uh, in an early episode, the remake. Oh, Steven one. and the Stevens. Yeah, Stephen and the Stevens. We wanted to have in the shot where there were like a ton of Stevens. We wanted to have a pilot. There's a pilot, Steven. Steve, and
3: he's there. He's there,
4: <laughs> but they put him more on model. So well, well looks, yeah,
3: I, but they made him look more like more like Stephen. Basically, there's there's yeah. one Stephen that has like a little bit of a neck. Yeah, that's Pilot <laughs> Steven, but they but he's not. Him, but
4: drawing. they made him more on model, and it's like we should, we could have gone through the.
3: Well, we sent the rigmarole. pilot model, yeah, but, but no didn't. one had been. Draw- and also, it was a different studio, so they never they didn't draw the pilot exactly, so they had no relationship to the way he looked in the pilot.
4: So we would have had to call it out, like this is a specific thing that we're getting wrong on purpose. We sent a model for it, but we didn't say it's specifically this one, and this is the way we want you to draw <laughs> this thing. It, it would have been like. A lot of leg right, work. right?
3: They they you know? did me the favor of making him look congruous with the Stevens around him, exactly, which was the opposite <laughs> of the point. But but then it looked so good <laughs> that I didn't change it. That, it yeah, that's it the thing. Good.
4: People we still talk know, about people that a still lot. Noticed it. Yeah, but that like but you slight know, knack? or just like getting something wrong is so much more difficult <laughs> than <laughs> like. Having it be like
3: uh, or getting something something wrong on purpose, purpose. yes, (laughs) or even (laughs) just
6: getting something that's like subtly weird. Because, like you know, the studios you work with and the entire production pipeline, like all that stuff, is in place to get something done correctly, yeah, uh, and cleanly, and all that stuff. So, anything you want to do that's off from that, it it takes extra steps and extra thought. Exactly.
3: There are so many chances for mistakes to happen. I mean, there's ten thousand drawings in every episode, and it only takes one frame of something being (laughs) off or one you know miscolored pull or something yeah. to, to be to be sent where it's like oh now this character looks like this only this one time and
4: so i feel if it was a intentional mistake they probably would have called like mm. attention to it not just on the commentary but i think within the show like with two homers in one scene <laughs> like from that one <laughs> oh episode. yeah, yeah. they would have fluffed his hair yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: now it's time for poochie's big debut he's finally to do it. I, I really love the little marge adr line there on the establishing. i swear it's a because it's just you're saying, I'm so happy everyone could be here for Homer's big debut because <laughs> oh. Barney's saying Poochie's on Yeah, I have a clarity maybe. note on this scene.
6: Uh, how do we know that they're supposed to be there for that debut? <laughs> <laughs>
7: good
3: solve. Good solve. It yeah. is a good yeah. solve. The it's crowd
0: great. there seems odd. So, uh, a few odd choices. Oh, I love that
4: barfly. One yeah. of the
0: barflies is
3: there. <laughs> I, it's I just great. followed Barney in, yeah.
0: but Moe is there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think Homer invited everyone at the bar yeah. and then the extended family and Abe brought Jasper with him and then the kids just asked for their best kid friends and though Lisa I feel like Janie should be there Lisa should have brought in Janie on there Mo wore a suit (laughs) yeah Yeah. he dressed up that's
0: so cute in flames being polite
1: yeah uh,
3: (laughs) what does he call it Impian Impian Impian. (laughs) (laughs) Chimpy
2: it's
4: it's really cute
2: (laughs) Uh. Behold the future of comedy Poaching
11: They fight, fight, and fight, and march. They bark, and fight, and fight. and bark, march. Fight, bark, fight, and Poochie, and Poochie, and mm-hmm. and ah. ah! <laughs>
7: Look,
9: Squinchy, It's our new friend, Poochie. What's that name again? I forgot.
5: The name's Poochie D and I rock the telly. I'm half Joe Camel and a third Fonzarelli. I'm the Kung Fu Hippie from Gangster City. I'm a rapping surfer, you to fool I pity. Oh,
9: Poochie is one outrageous dude. He's totally in my face. (laughs)
5: Wiggity, wiggity, wait up. Back on,
9: birdie. (laughs) <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory?
2: <laughs> Can somebody tell me what the hell is going on? Huh. Mitch, help me out here. Mm. Quiet. You're missing the
7: jokes.
0: What is the missing part of Poochie's personality that is not defined? I don't know. It's a half and a third. We need yeah. to yeah. A yeah. One right. six There's a sixth There's a sixth missing. left,
6: yeah. Um, this is weird, but like listening to it without watching it, I really like Poochie's theme music. Like it's pretty oh, good. Oh yeah, it's really <laughs>
4: good. I would like to mention that. What I guess is like the love theme from Itchy and Scratchy that, <b-b-b-b-b-b-b-> <laughs> <laughs> that they like they've used that over and over like in Itchy and Scratchy af- like cartoons.
0: It's, it's a great, great way to just set up adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and Poochie was rapping in the same year as Parappa. Perhaps before <laughs> <laughs> Parappa. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Parappa in Japan was 1996. So who knows?
1: His posing is great. Everything Poochie does is great. He holds a surfboard while riding a skateboard. Yeah. M- when he says camel. He pulls down, his nose down, yeah. Camel
3: pose. That's a really
1: good drawing. Uh, and uh, Krusty's hype beforehand is so, like, no, nothing could equal that. Like, they already <laughs> torpedoed their to fail, own show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I also like the Fireworks Factory thing, that they keep promising viewers of Fireworks Factory, and I think that's really why poochie flopped in universe It's the, the, you're just disappointed that you don't get the fireworks In <laughs> the final shot he drives past the fireworks and
6: <laughs> <back, yeah. laughs> the cartoon
0: ends so there's no payoff
6: yeah. and over silence too yeah <laughs> Uh, we've mentioned we've mentioned that already in in the way that we think about the fireworks factory all the time at work but we like just had one of those where there's an episode coming up where like it's a whole crazy adventure but at the beginning someone meant there's a mention like we're gonna we're gonna go for some food and a bunch of other stuff happens and then someone in in the room was like hey we better see them get food at the end yeah where do they get their
4: food like like, good point oh man we gotta put that in somewhere and in the I think it was
0: in uh, Bart. Gets famous They And on their way To the box factory They drive past A slide factory and a (laughs) fireworks testing range So they were almost (laughs) At the joke In season five This
1: was the first time I caught that Poochie just drives Right by it And and Bill Oakley Mentioned that The you're missing The jokes moment Was also pulled From their real Production life That the premiere party For season seven Which was his uh, Co-written episode Who shot Mr. Burns Part two They're at the Giant party for it And he's mad That at this That it at a party, people aren't watching me <laughs> show. It's just like, why are you guys talking and, and drinking? You're missing the joke. <laughs>
6: it's, it's it's deeply, profoundly relatable. Like whenever I wa- watch something that yeah. I worked on with like a friend or family mm-hmm. member, the fact is that like if you're watching something I worked on with me, there's it's a lose lose situation. <laughs> there is no amount of attention you can pay that will be satisfying to me. <laughs> uh, so it's it's just, it's just like never watch something I worked on. Also,
4: I've never been at a premiere party that had optimal viewing. Uh, we tried environment for <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work.
6: And his premiere
1: party. Well, I've I've had that you're missing the jokes moment of just if I want to show someone a funny like cartoon or video on YouTube, I'm like, come on guys, let's watch this. I think it's really
6: good. And then if they stop paying attention a minute in, I'm just like,
1: you're missing the jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. Like
6: if they start if they start a conversation, I'm just like, I'm I'm so upset right now. <laughs> and it's it's also cool to see Mo coming back as calling March Midge. I, yeah, that's
3: a
4: nice runner.
3: <laughs> if he was rossified ten percent. That takes a chunk out of the sixth, mm, yeah. But there's mm. still there's still something. Well, else we don't know if the ro-
4: did the rostification affect all aspects of him.
3: I would imagine. Mm. Well, it's not in, it's Joe, not in Camel Joe Camel or. <laughs> Um, Fonzarelli. Joe yeah.
4: Camel, I think, got pretty rostified in some of those ads. <laughs> Didn't he have dreads in some of the ads? Yeah. Like, oh, like the oh, rest of they, so okay, yeah. they so the really overlap did. is there. Yeah, the sh- overlap is definitely there. Yeah. Though I don't know if uh, Fonzarelli ever did. Joe Camel embraced all cultures.
0: <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> was this episode made before or after Joe Camel was basically made, like, illegal?
0: Oh,
1: yeah,
6: that's a good I question. by
0: 97 he was
1: dead, I think. Hmm. So, I... Yeah, actually, he was definitely gone because... Two years earlier in Sideshow Bob Roberts, they were making the joke that only Birch Barlow was friends with Joe Camel who Uh, was being attacked by everybody. So
4: he must be dead by this point if that was two years ago. This this was like a joke on how craven of a character Joe Camel was.
3: Right, right. The genius at
4: work moment is that menthol moose
0: exists in the same universe as Joe Camel. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's
5: interesting.
0: Uh, Okay, let's hear the second half of Poochie
5: the flip side, dude, masters, not. Hey, kids, always recycle. To the extreme,
10: bust it.
7: Ah, that stunk.
5: Well, what did everybody think? Oh.
11: Homer, I can honestly say that was the best episode of M.P. and Chimpy I've ever seen. Yeah, you should be very proud, Homer. You, uh, got a beautiful home here.
5: <laughs> so, it was pretty okay, huh?
9: Mom, can we go to bed without dinner? Yes, we can.
5: <laughs> I, I liked it, didn't I? Oh, uh, you don't want to know what I really think. Now look sad and say, Joe.
3: do that's very relatable this, uh, uh, yeah. yeah
4: The sound design of them running upstairs Is one of my favorite things Especially the way that the is, yeah. The door slams are lined up perfectly So they're three in a row There's no way they could have each gotten there at once But you need to hear three door slams <laughs> And there they are Just one after another
3: That's the evolution of genius at work yeah. Is when the wrongness You understand the readability mm-hmm. This is the donut hole that I'm talking <laughs>
4: exactly. about Exactly that's what's, that's, that's like when, when we're doing like sound design and you like, when you get one of those moments where you're just like, oh, this is technically incorrect and not physically possible, but it's readable. And that's, what's funny about it. You know, that is, yeah, that's the xylophone right there. The magic xylophone. That's the magic xylophone. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, no, no, no. That's not the magic
4: sound. Uh, but, you know. The, <laughs> yeah. the other thing is, I love Nancy's delivery of that.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
4: look yes, at, uh, for Nelson, it's so good.
1: Uh, it, it's great. Well, a great sound design, too, because if the itchy and scratchy producers did a bad job of having just silence over the yes. end to only make it feel deflated. But it makes it even better when it's just driving by the fireworks factory silence. And it's done. <laughs> yeah. And then Homer just like, what did everybody think? He, he, I would never ask that at a thing of like after he, after my mom would have read something of mine on the internet. I would like, I don't want to know what you think. Don't tell <laughs> me. Really failed to read the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everybody just looking away. And the the best episode of Impy and Chimpy I've ever seen is a pretty. <laughs> that's another amazing quote. Poor, <laughs> poor Homer though, he it it's not his fault. It is the writer. Yeah, yeah. Homer, Homer really
4: did his best. Homer um, did a great job. Uh, I he mean, really all things tried. considered, that that was his first time voice acting. He <laughs> yeah. did an awesome Has job. Has
3: Homer rapped previously to this? Uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Plow. Oh, as yeah. w- right. Yeah. <laughs> it's hammer.
4: And he was told
1: to never do
0: that again. Yeah. Mr. Plow rap.
1: Well, he, yeah, he, that's, he pitched a Mr. Plow rap and also he told children to go back into their homes over a speaker in the, uh, right.
6: Yeah. Uh, the, the rap is so funny. The Kung Fu hippie from gangster city. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's, really good. It's, it's incredible. Uh, in <laughs> yeah. my household, uh, if, if, if one person starts that rap, the other person will just immediately jump in. Mm-hmm. We'll go to the there,
0: there's a bit of a conflict in this episode that we were talking about it earlier, me and Henry, and then, um, the, in this case the fans are right mm-hmm. the fans are absolutely right but they're also criticizing fans before See, this so.
6: and that's why it's the Rorschach Test episode mm-hmm. because if you're okay. a fan you're watching it and you're like oh The Simpsons is on my side making fun of how shows get ruined by this stuff it, it kind of has its cake and eats it too mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah. I, you know what I think uh, the <coughs> other sixth has to be Mr. T because he says you're the fool I pity <laughs> oh perfect there <laughs> it is <laughs> there it is yeah. we solved it <laughs> but that is that is also its garbage about Poochie is that he is an amalgam of a million popular things, in yeah. who he has not like his like wiggity wiggity wow and the guitar is <laughs> another amazing shot, and it's just like well, what if he was Wayne from Wayne's World or any of the other like rocking guys? He has no right. personality to himself. And he has a fanny pack. This was the first time I caught that he has a
6: fanny pack oh, on his oh, show. Was too yeah. cool. He's kinda of grown on me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I miss it's, him.
4: And I mean they you know, they did bring him back, like uh in several like non-canon appearances. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to see him.
1: I like seeing him. They they should have him more regularly on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and they should be asking where's Poochie when he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Worst episode ever. Let's get oh, into it. Here that. we go. I'm the
5: worst Poochie ever.
8: No, it's not your fault, Dad. You did fine. It's just that Poochie was a soulless byproduct of committee thinking. You can't be cool just by spouting a bunch of worn-out buzzwords. We don't have a cow, at least. Bart's right. <laughs> Let's none of us have a
9: cow.
11: <laughs> All that matters is that the fans of the show liked it. Last Night's It's Seen Scratchy was, without a doubt, the worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world.
9: Hey, I know it wasn't great, but what right do you have to complain?
11: As a loyal viewer, I feel they owe me.
9: What? They've given you thousands of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? I mean, if anything, you owe them.
11: Worst episode ever. So
0: I know we're supposed to be on Bart's side mm. as viewers, but I, I don't. This is the one part of the show I don't like. Uh, I, I, as someone who makes free entertainment, I never, I never want any I to think that of any listener. I don't mm. like negative yep. comments, but. I don't want to think any, anyone owes me for what I've done. Watching <laughs>
4: it again, it did feel a little yeah. indulgent. And it, it, yeah. like Bart is the wrong character
0: for this, I think.
1: Yeah, but it can't be Homer. That's too I smart think Lisa, to thought for
0: Homer. I mean, Lisa's the one giving all the incisive commentary on. Like, yeah, Lisa has TV good shows. thoughts in
1: this episode yeah. about TV shows. So, but it would feel even weirder if Lisa said it. I think. I don't think
6: it would feel wrong for Lisa to be this confrontational with comic book guy too. I think. Yeah, the scene's like a useful thought experiment, but like as far as like a part of the story, it's kind of like, "Eh." yeah. but it's like the, the, the real life version of it that I, that I relate to is much more like sad where it's kind of like, you know, I was, I was working on regular show from like season three to season five. And like, I basically, I was on the show long enough to watch, People who grew up with the show, like, grow out of the show. I would recognize names of people from, like, reading their posts online and then seeing them be like, I'm not really into the show anymore, you know, because they've grown. Like, their brains are different now. And then I'm like, but I'm still here. (laughs) Don't go. No, But no... No, you can't. No, like I'd be just like depressed about the fact that you know people grow and people change. And honestly, most people are only into something for a short period of time. Like most people aren't like me where they're still into the same thing forever. Most people are like, oh, there was a time in my life where that was important to me, and I, then I moved on. But I'm like, but no, I didn't move on. I'm still working. <laughs>
4: yeah I don't know I feel like so much of the stuff I've worked on the people who watch it are paying with their time and often their uh, personal details and info that they're giving to whatever company is streaming it to them. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. like yes. it's, it's not really world, yeah. for free uh, yeah. a lot of the time so I don't know and you're right about it being a Rorschach test because yeah there was a time when I really was on Bart's side but I don't know if I really see it that way as much as I used to oh
1: well, the worst episode ever that statement though that I mean that I feel that that still sums up so much of what people feel about things uh, about a piece of media yep. online and I'm I, I am as guilty as anyone on this but but the feeling of is like if you see something say another movie in a franchise you like Let's say Star Wars. You see a new one of those, and you feel like you have to have an extreme reaction one way or the other. You have to feel this is the best mm-hmm. one of these ever, or it has to be the worst ever. Mm-hmm. It's not a notable opinion if you just kind of feel in the middle on that. And I think that's – I mean, the, they're quoting worst episode ever straight from alt.tv.simpsons. Yeah, right. that was
0: regularly said for eight years at this point. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs>
1: Every new episode was the worst episode.
4: I mean, I love reading those capsules and just seeing
0: <laughs> –
3: It's astonishing how people f- hated yeah yeah like this is some of the greatest so episodes. classic <laughs> I think yeah we mentioned
0: uh, don del grande before oh God, on this yes. podcast <laughs> where has like the angriest reviews for like a decade yeah if, if you're i, I mean, hope he's happier now
6: like if you're watching if you're a fan of something and you've invested your time and energy into it it's scary when you first experience like the thing of the thing that you don't like as much like if you're watching a show and then suddenly there's an episode that you're like oh i didn't like that one as much as the other ones there can be like a panic that happens where it's like oh no is my time with this thing over like is it bad now there are many shows where that's happened it's and it's hard to like temper that and be like okay look maybe this episode just wasn't for me this episode was for someone else and hopefully the next episode will be for me and like obviously sometimes shows do just go downhill but it's like okay Please, like, relax a little bit. Like, it's, And it's, being a an so nerd, cool. is
4: it's so tribal, too. And, you know, if something doesn't go right or if there's an episode you don't like as much, it basically reflects on you and all the time you've put into that show. And then you're like, you have to attack it even more mercilessly because you know about it and... If other people find out that you like this show and it's got this terrible episode or it's, if that's it's a reflection it's of a you. It's a reflection mm. of you and it just it's it gets very complicated. I know. remember
3: pulling up some of those old Simpsons oh, the, fe- feedback yeah, pages those capsules, yeah. when I was on Adventure Time and these amazing season two, season three adventure time episodes would be coming out and they would just get slammed by Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Like I remember Too Young coming out. It's one of my favorite episodes ever and people getting all mad online. And I'd be like I'd be like, okay, but look at this. Mm -hmm. Like look at this amazing Simpsons episode that everyone thought was terrible. Like Mm -hmm. this is we're definitely in this time. It was sort of always my I mean, what, what you're describing, with, with, that
6: literally happened to me with Adventure Time, where like, I saw the first episode of Adventure Time that I didn't love, and I was like, oh, this is my favorite thing this year. It wasn't too young, was it? Because too young is great. No, uh, no too young is incredible. Oh, my God. But it was so before good. I worked in, in animation, I was, I was and I, I was watching the show every week, and there was there was like one or two where I was like, wait these aren't as good as the ones before. (laughs) Oh no. Is my time of loving adventure time over? And of course it wasn't And I've been obsessed with the show uh, until it ended. But like Mm -hmm. that, that what you're describing is, is, you know, I wasn't on the internet letting my uh, hate known to the masses, (laughs) but, uh, but I had like that fear was, was in me. Yeah. And this is when I think Comic Book Guy
1: officially became the Simpsons fan avatar for the creators on the show. I mean, it won't be too long until Saddlesore Galactica when he's well, literally yeah. wearing a worst episode <sighs> ever
0: shirt and complaining that this episode is recreating a story they've already done. Well, as people that run a Simpsons podcast now, we get we now have echoes of criticisms from the past now, <laughs> and I'm going to say, everybody, calm down. It's going to be fine. Everything's yeah. going to be okay. <laughs>
1: I had one Steven Universe question related to this scene, too. Uh, so in so Tiger Philanthropist, oh, yeah. I feel Uh-oh. there's a scene that's kind of like this. Yes, uh, that's <laughs> true. Okay. Was, was that intentional? or? Uh? Um,
3: I mean, I think it's impossible not to feel that way eventually when you're seeing so much feedback. And you want to, I feel like we're, we're making entertainment. You know, we want. To do a good job But at a certain point I mean when Stephen is literally Shaking Lars Being like What do you want <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like yeah. You definitely feel that It's like Because you know, you know when, The audience is yeah. vast And people want Completely opposite things From one another And you can't You you can't make everyone happy uh, And you also can't Be working well, I think Ultimately what we're saying With Tiger Philanthropist And in general Is you have to Do what you're going to do And if you are trying To cater it You will inevitably Fail because you have to Anyway. (laughs) Uh. No, but it's
4: true. It's like the audience... Everybody wants different things and yes, you
3: know. I like that
1: scene more than this worst episode I've ever seen because it comes from like Steven isn't being Bart of saying how the audience should feel all Steven wants is to please his audience that's
3: he's like but I gave you the sequel you asked for like yeah. what do you yeah. want just tell me I'll give it to you like yeah. it, But it's <laughs> the, it's the truth he's a complicated teenage boy <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to have himself figured out no that's one true. in our audience does yeah, that, that's
6: true. Though I mean, like when you, anytime I've ever tried to give someone exactly what they asked for, it's never had the reaction. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's always, it's always been weird and wrong because mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a purity that's lost, and also like when someone you get that when you have something delivered that the thing you thought you wanted, it never feels the way you expect it to feel.
4: And I think when you're a fan, yeah, you want to want something. You don't mm-hmm. want to get the thing that you wanted, you know, because uh, usually when you do, then it falls short in some new. Unknown way That you right. couldn't have predicted I, so.
3: I think also I mean I have a whole theory about this But I think The closer you get To guessing What somebody else wants The more that person Will probably dislike What you've mm-hmm. made Yeah Because you'll never be able To read their mind Or make the thing That they would make Because they would be The only ones that could make it mm-hmm. Just like we're the only people Who can make Exactly what we want Because mm-hmm. we're the only people With our brains Inside of our heads And our hands Drawing our characters So doing that kind of guesswork gets uncomfortably, there's like an uncanny valley thing that happens where it's like, this is not exactly what I want. It's (laughs) just kind of like what I want. And once you get there, those hairs that are being split become so sensitive. Exactly.
6: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I think it can be very frustrating for a person to see a version of a thing that's close to the thing they want, but it's just like, just wrong enough to make, just them, to, enough to make you feel yeah. weird and bad
4: that's why it's always funny to watch like those yeah those very like like the cottage industry of you know criticism sort of, of videos and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like but if you got exactly the thing that you're asking for you know you would have another criticism. Oh, like yeah. there would be another thing on top of that and another thing you know
3: I feel like with those i would just be i would love to see what they would make I think it's not 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 in the negative not in the way where it's like well then you make something like like Mm -hmm. it would be so exciting if they would make something because usually especially I think with Steven fans what we want even though it's very sensitive when it comes close I think like I I would like to (laughs) I would just when I started the show I really wanted to make people want to draw and I think there's a lot of stories that haven't been told and when people are like, this isn't quite me, this is almost me, but you didn't get it right, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to know you. Yeah. I really want to meet you. I want to see your thing. I think I'd really love it, because we obviously have really similar sensibilities. We're and like
4: close. Yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah. I'm excited by that closeness, uh, although I also feel like there's nothing I can do, because I, I'll never break through and be someone who is not me.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
6: mean, it, it's it's great when people are able to use uh, those complicated emotions as fuel to create something, because like, we do that every day, where it's like, when we're working on something, it's like, we're always working in opposition to the things that have frustrated us in the past.
7: <laughs> and so I hope that there's
6: lots of people who are frustrated by the things that we're making, who are going to make cooler, different versions of yeah, the things absolutely. That we're making one day.
3: I also, yeah, I think I've definitely made a lot of close friends picking apart material, yeah. including... Yeah, you, Ian Jones, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, really, really picking apart uh, things that I both loved and hated at the same yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, so, it's
4: just exciting. I'm yeah. a bit.
3: It's a bit of an honor to see people do that to our shows because I hope that that's something that's fostering friendships and creativity. Yeah, it hurts though. But <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I really, I really hope this is bringing people closer together.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, I like to think of like what you guys came up from the generation of Simpsons and anime, inspired by that, and I just like imagine like what will the kids watching Steven Universe and KKO and regular show like? What will they make twenty years from now? Like, I mean, I'm excited to see.
7: Yeah,
3: it's gonna be good. Yeah, <laughs> it'll it's gonna be, good. be really good because they'll have had. Technology I certainly didn't have as a tween and a teen to exactly. be able to be making animation.
4: And I think some of those kids will maybe discover The Simpsons, mm. you know. And and it'll be interesting for them. Well I wonder because uh, I,
3: I didn't go back and pour over the Flintstones, but you did. But I did. <laughs>
4: <So> <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I said as I was saying it, I was like, wait a second, no, no, no. This could not only can this happen. It's ruined. <laughs> yeah. It did happen.
0: But we talked to Josh Weinstein and he said that he grew up with crappy cartoons and uh, modern day writers are way ahead of where he is now because they grew up with The Simpsons. So yeah, right. I want to see what the writers of the future are going to do. Yeah, what we'll be absolutely. so confused by it.
1: <laughs> we cut to Kent Brockman and he's giving his review and I, I guess he's a stand-in for what they felt were like TV reviewers that were waiting to just pounce <laughs> this, on The Simpsons. Kind of like
0: the Saturday Night Dead uh, I reporters. I so,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. I guess I wasn't reading a ton of television reviews back then. I, am sure I read TV guide regularly as a kid, but I don't recall the critical consensus, like turning on Simpsons at that well, point.
6: Not then. Yeah. I mean, was there like, could you go, could you like open up variety or whatever, or LA weekly and read like a capsule review of last week's oh, Simpsons like episode? episode? Like, yeah. I it don't it think feels so. like another representation of what they were reading but online.
3: We were talking about how it was a fantasy for something to be news, but that for the Simpsons, that's not true. It was absolutely news. I mean, it is yeah.
6: true. Like,
4: I mean, I'm, that Critic episode like you know Matt Groening was like talking to the press and oh, yeah, like, there true. were like you yeah. know it's articles about phenomenon. that yeah that I mean massive. so I like, don't know
1: yeah when they kill a character it makes news like the Simpsons does make news like that and then gets commented on it back then Of like well why did they
4: kill Maude or why did they
1: right.
3: you were uh, literally but, flipping through a Newsweek that was like a hundred percent that's right that, that...
4: that special Newsweek. it's on stands oh, now oh, yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. Yeah. Simpsons
3: yeah, it's so funny. The <laughs> day after we were like, "Oh, if it was it being in a newspaper, that's over." What a fantasy! Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> <In my heart. laughs> oh, yeah. here it is. Oh wait, is. no, our, shows yeah. the- it's the- our show is. Yeah, fantasy
6: for the thing I work on. It's definitely a fantasy. I mean, for look, us, they but, yeah.
3: they did their time, yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> they-
1: <laughs> did not I just buy an Entertainment Weekly to had
3: a Stephen uh, Stephen Dove
6: thing? Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, well. yeah. So, Stephen genuinely got there. Yes, absolutely. Oh.
4: And it's deserved. <laughs> well deserved.
6: Uh, so then we it's time for damage control at Itchy and
1: Scratchy Central here.
2: Oh, what the hell happened? <laughs> well I'd
9: attribute the product failure to fundamental shifts in our key demographic, coupled with the overall crumminess
2: of Poochie. Woohoo, mm-hmm. you gotta stop this thing! Oh, <laughs> please! I'm getting egged on the street! Hmm. Do something! Do something! <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, hi, Mr. Myers. Uh, I've been doing some thinking, and I got some ideas to improve the show. I got it right here. Uh, one, Poochie needs to be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine. (laughs) Two, whenever Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's (laughs) Poochie? Three... Uh, Great, great. Just leave them right there on the floor on your way out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what we are missing here is that in a real life situation they could not react this on the fly to an animated program yeah, of this caliber yeah. I mean, so
4: there were months in between
1: not in 97 especially like, but I, I like
4: the
0: fiction that they
1: can
7: yeah <laughs>
4: <laughs> the other the other Dream here is that if the audience didn't like something that resulted from a note that an executive gave, there's <laughs> no way they would blame anything before blaming the artists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, they actually there should have been a moment where they called David Silverman into the office, like you designed this bad. Yeah, How dare you? Pucci was great in our idea.
3: The, uh, the where's Poochie thing is almost like Bechtel test levels of present, I think, in my life. Like, it's uh-huh. like when you watch something and someone's not there and people are like, where's this? But like, I, I see that happen and stuff all the time. And I'm, and I'm like, where's Poochie? There it is. There like, they're it doing is. it. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. When two characters, yeah, they can't stop talking about the main character. Yeah. like, why? Like,
3: please. Yeah. Please <laughs> have, have a story. Your, have your own lives,
4: please.
6: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it gets to be like mildly disturbing at times when an entire universe of a show revolves around one person yeah <laughs> i just love the animation too on um, Krusty just screaming at everybody like,
7: please do
1: something <laughs> and poor homer like he just wants to help and he's giving notes and they just like he homer seems to take it genuinely they're like well they'll read it after i put it on the ground <laughs> and, <I walk> away. <laughs> and uh, then we get a very jay leno moment of him hiding right in the closet and listening which I don't know if Jay Leno ever confirmed that was a thing. It was just in Late Shift, <laughs> the book in the movie. Oh, you're right, yeah. That Jay Leno yeah. hid to listen in on that they were going to cancel his show and even use that against him. It's very dramatic. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, hope it's true.
0: I think it's a joke that Homer walks past all the hate mail only to find out through the, through the discussion that people hate Poochie. <laughs> which is, I, don't know, I don't know if they communicate that very well, but it's something I picked up much later. While sitting while later on a years. box of death threats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, uh, and, this is the other reaction too. I feel like they, they do kind of skip a step here. I think in they would have tried to retool him. Like that's what happened on a million sitcoms, even back then. Of just like oh, this people don't like this one character. What if we gave them a sweater? Or what if we <laughs> changed their backstory? Some like instead of just straight up killing off the character to never see them again. This is another of my favorite lines. Of, I haven't played the line of the episode should go know, because I feel like every line in this is. There's my too favorite, many, frankly. Yeah, There's yeah, way
10: too many in of, this episode.
1: But this is another great one.
10: Listen, guys, we got to do something about Pucci.
2: There's only one thing we can do.
5: And they said they were gonna kill Pucci off.
2: Really? Oh, how
9: terrible! <laughs> yes, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's not your fault, Homer. It's those lousy writers. They make me madder than a
5: yak and heat. You're right, Marge. It's not my fault. I'm not going to let him treat Poochie like dirt anymore just because he's the new guy.
2: Right on, Mr. S.
5: Put a sock in it, Roy. Mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Put a sock in it, Roy. That's another great,
1: yeah. (laughs) Me and Bob talked a little about this beforehand, the Marge is yak and heat line. I, I like it as a line is that Marge is a in metatextually Marge is insulting the writers and as punishment they give her a bad joke oh, I yeah. like that but man. I think
0: the other meaning that there's that but there's also oh it's not so easy is it yeah. to write a snappy right. line that's kind of how I was interpreted yeah.
3: it, is
6: like what she would come up with without the writers writing it's, her jokes it's a very yeah.
0: ghost smut style uh, <laughs> answer
3: I've read it the punishment way. I don't I don't feel like that's like a natural margism or something. <laughs> if she were left to her own devices, I, don't I think she would say it
4: that it works both ways, which mm-hmm. is why it's really good. It's, it's, you know, it does take the creativity of a writer to come up with a good line, but also she should be punished. Yeah. Well, <laughs> also it
6: takes the creativity of a writer to come up with something as dumb as Yak and Heat. Yes. Uh,
0: it sounds like a Johnny Carson punchline though. Yeah.
6: Or something you'd hear on just any like not
1: good nineties sitcom <laughs> I though I mean you also hear those stories about like how on sitcoms they would write things to like punish actors like that was actually like a plot on the, the I love Lisa Kudrow's show The Comeback and like that was a big plot on the show they constantly gave her awful things to do as punishment because the writers were mad at her
0: on Mystery Science Theater they always made Joel Hodgson wear hats because <laughs> no. he hated hats And on um You mean the mayor of each city? (laughs) (laughs) The very same. Yeah,
4: Yeah, on um you can't do that on television. Apparently that's where like sliming came from. Yes, I Uh, heard. When the when the kids if a kid got too big for his britches, they'd be like, Oh, (laughs) you gotta do a slime uh scene.
3: That's just the most Freudian thing. Yeah, it's yeah, you know,
4: pretty pretty bad. I mean, I, I that that EP sounded like bad news to
1: me. Yeah, I have to say. I, but also the punishment of Roy—that they are live punishing Roy on screen for <laughs> even buffing to <himself. laughs> <laughs> Uh So then we get to the VO session, and Homer is standing up to those lousy writers. Are you
5: prepared to die, Poochie? Uh-huh. No, I am not. Oh,
10: cut, 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 cut. Just stick to the script as written, Homer, you're supposed to say, please, cut off my head. I don't deserve to live.
5: Never. Oh, Never. <gasps> You can't just kill off a classic TV character. Poochie could be bigger than Curly Fries. But first he has to win back the audience. That's why I'm going to read these lines I wrote myself with my own two hands. Forget it, Homer. We can do this show without you if we
10: have to.
9: But not without me jeez. Mm. Oh, Let him try the new lines.
10: All right. All right. We'll try it.
5: Action.
9: Hey, Poochie. You look like you've got something to say. Do
5: you? Yes, I certainly do. Hello there, Richie. <coughs> I know there's a lot of people who don't like me and wish I would go away. And I think we got off on the wrong foot. I know I can come off a little proactive, and for that I'm sorry. But if everyone could find a place in their hearts for the little dog nobody wanted, I know we can make them laugh and cry until we grow old together. And God.
0: In the original scene, like Poochie, not only is he killed, he's begging to be
4: murdered.
1: He <laughs> deserves <laughs> to cut off my head.
4: It's also a bad cartoon that <laughs> yeah. they're about to make. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, that. Well, because every any character can be someone's favorite character. So to so hurt Poochie like that, it's pretty mean to your audience. <laughs> I
6: think. I mean, I guess you could come back next week since Itchy and Scratchy do. That's you know, true. After getting killed. But. Until
4: they sign that affidavit. Yeah, it's that
1: uh, affidavit, yeah. 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 That that. I, I love Homer standing up for the character and then June having his back. That's a really yeah. sweet moment. It's, it's very, very again. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's why I kind of wish there's no time for this episode. It's such a super packed episode, but a little more with June would have been fun. I like that. Homer's speech is kind of maudlin. It would be very weird if an Itchy and Scratchy actually stopped and had that
0: speech <laughs> (laughs) Like growing old together. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But Homer's intention, right? So, do you guys think when they're giving him the slow clap that they all know they're going to just change
6: the line later? Or do they think they mean it at one point and then they change their minds? Um, I think they think they mean it and then someone changed their mind between. Yeah. That's kind of how I Mm always read it.
4: Yeah, I always read it as them actually being surprised that Homer wrote an effective (laughs) line. That was actually pretty touching and you know, but at the end of the
3: day they, think, gotta, right, they gotta make the thing. They gotta make the <laughs> thing. Gotta, I think
0: yeah. Krusty shut it down ultimately. Yeah.
7: <laughs> well,
1: I always wondered if it was Alex Rocca or George Meyer Jr. making the call since he's the one who voices the changed line. Mm. Right? Mm. I wonder if that was ultimately him.
6: Mm. It must have been, yeah. Yeah. Because
1: otherwise they would have gotten anyone else to do it. Mm-hmm. And when they show the other writers like acting in shock, it's just all the Simpson staff there and my favorite is they have Ian Maxton Graham in there, but they just use the character model of Very, a tall, very man, tall Man. It's yeah. the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sweet little speech by Homer, but it also wouldn't... I don't think... People would have just like crapped on that, too. They would have just said, like, oh, now they're trying to make us... Tugging our
6: heartstrings to like
1: Poochie, I hate him even more.
6: It's very interesting because Homer's basically like his his motivation is arguing for something that sucks. Yeah, and so right. basically he's arguing for like the value of an idea mm-hmm. that, that like you know, hey, with the right execution, like let's not let's not throw away all of our hard work, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so Homer's finally going to show off his new cartoon to Bart and Lisa.
5: <laughs> now, kids, I know you love the old Poochie. But the new one's going to be better than ten Super Bowls! I don't want to oversell it. Judge for yourself. Well, look who's here! Hi, Poochie!
9: You look like you've got something to say! Do you?
5: Yes, I certainly
10: do! I have to go now. (laughs) My planet needs me.
9: Wow, Poochie came from another
8: planet? Uh, mm, I guess.
10: Hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. Those
2: sphinx double-crossed me. Poochie's dead!
7: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, kids, we all know that sometimes when cartoon characters die, they're back again the very next week. That's why I'm presenting this sworn affidavit that Poochie will never, ever, ever return. This document conforms to all applicable laws and statutes. Yay! <laughs>
9: Yay!
0: Second time, blue haired lawyer is just on hand to step into the frame. I
3: like that the children wait for the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we need confirmation. They recognize the significance of
7: him. Yeah.
0: Are they (laughs) Krusty Brand legal forms?
7: (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was. (laughs) They're binding. In a scroll, too. That's a pretty good affidavit in a scroll form. So they're pulling him off to his own planet. I, I mean, that's just become fan lingo of when a character is written off hastily yeah. into a
6: yeah. show. it's oh, that that's immortal like that's mm-hmm. something that's used Absolutely. by everyone for everything and yeah. rightfully so
0: and even the music gets crappier during that scene for yep. some reason <laughs> but
4: another another really great piece of sound design is uh, when the cell lifts up there's like individual page flaps every time it happens oh yeah uh, which is like that wouldn't actually happen someone <laughs> No, why would you hear, yeah. you hear
3: that
7: yeah
0: it doesn't
3: even it would. it's not even the sound of a it's sliding as an yeah. individual page. Yeah. <laughs> I believe
0: the scene number for that scene is written on the cell, too. The
3: oh, yeah. Scene oh, that's just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's that just poetry. That kind of thing
6: is really hard to execute. It's actually like a, weird, a weirdly well-observed thing that Bart suddenly finds Poochie interesting as yeah. he gets taken yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that certainly happens to me when I'm watching shows. Uh-huh. It's like, wait a second. I, now that that character's gone, I want them back. Yeah, and, uh, I'm suddenly interested, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's how, I like, with Raiden in Metal Gear Solid Two, you're just like, "Oh wait, now I know that now he's a cyborg." I think this guy's pretty interesting. I can't wait to
0: play as Raiden.
1: <laughs> he was a Poochie He was a Poochie as well. I would mm-hmm. say. I agree. But poor Homer just gets screwed over by them. and didn't trust it. I mean, he was just he was a first time voice actor. They're not going to. I can see them leaving him out of the process.
4: Of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel bad for him though, and it, the, also. Be- better than 10 Super
4: Bowls is
0: another yeah, both Homer outcome. and Krusty are overselling this in advance. They're,
4: it's not a good idea. But yeah, the way that that cartoon was produced, it really seems like they got very far into production before deciding to get rid of Fuji. That's the thing about it that's so interesting to me.
3: Well, it's- they... They turn his head, but it doesn't have lip sync, which yeah. means they may or may not have actually animated a scene of him talking. It's a close-up that's mm-hmm. like an intimate moment. It
4: <laughs> seems like they might have animated Homer's uh, Homer's uh, yeah. speech. Right, because yeah. it's chopped
3: up at what seems to be after the fact.
4: They got it back, and <laughs> Krusty saw it and was like, fix this.
3: If they had gotten, well... Depending on the order of things If they'd gotten his takes <laughs> And put them in And realized they didn't work And then They could have done A scene silently yeah. Where animation played mm. out Where things actually happened That's why it seems like They actually animated To his track yeah. And then, and then mm. did it in post
6: Also when you consider That they're live Mixing the sound effects During the record Well that makes no <laughs> sense yeah. Yeah. It's yeah.
3: like they animate The yes, whole that thing that was really strange yeah. yeah
6: They animate the whole thing And then they do a radio play uh, yeah. On top of it But
3: For the it, record We don't do it yeah.
6: like that It, it feels very Truthful though that thing of like you watch something and it's like oh this thing barely even hangs together as a completed thing Mm -hmm. and you 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 always know there's like a a complicated story behind it absolutely well
3: they they do a lot in post also I mean it's very Mm -hmm. obvious maybe not as much as the critic but like well I don't know a lot I (laughs) remember I
4: think Simpsons they're pretty good with that they reuse a lot of shots and add new dialogue and I
3: I remember what I was watching that Froger sequence and realized only now that I've been doing post production that that whole thing is cobbled together out of in post with ADR like I couldn't believe their expressions aren't matching what they're saying Yeah,
0: but still it's one of the most convincing cases of that in Al Jean and Mike Reese's years they did that so much and they were in The Critic too so they loved doing Mm -hmm. that after the fact
7: yeah.
1: now that treehouse I think they uh, I think Mike Reese calls it like the most they ever did that on any of them of just a mm-hmm. the constant you'd also see that in the, the clip shows because they only had like two minutes of animation so you gotta go back and forth with Troy McClure saying especially
7: <laughs> right. yeah. the right.
0: second clip show where they're at the table but the table Ooh. changes between every shot
2: so. <laughs> <Yeah. Ugh>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just all grown together
1: yeah <laughs> Uh, But it's time to say goodbye to Poochie and goodbye to Roy.
9: Tough break, Dad. I guess people just weren't ready for Poochie. Maybe in a few years.
2: (laughs) Good news, everybody. I'm moving into my own apartment with two sexy ladies. Hmm, Then I guess this is goodbye, Roy. Maybe we'll see you in a few years.
5: (laughs) Well, I guess I learned my lesson. The thing is... I lost creative control of the project. <laughs> and I forgot to ask for any money. Well, live and learn.
1: <laughs> Losing creative control of the project. That's, that's dangerous.
5: <laughs> Not getting paid.
1: Well he was I mean he wouldn't it wasn't his project. Yes, I, yeah.
3: he never had creative control. <laughs> yes, of the
1: project. No, it's true, he didn't.
3: Like I hear that and it feels like a heavyweight. Like, <laughs> like a th- Dense blanket weighing me down. I'm like, wait, he's Homer never, was not in charge. He tried to gain
0: creative <laughs> control of the project. But he never, he never had it.
1: Yeah, I would, I got to think the writers in general were very accepting of Homer with that slow clap because I would think most of the writers would just be mad of like you.
6: Just want to write a new scene. I wrote this. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I can't think of very many examples of that kind of thing happening where some where where the actors like I think I take issue with this, and I have a whole pitch prepared for the other thing. (laughs) I mean, when we worked with David Coburn for Captain Planet, that was actually a really good collaboration. Actually, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, because we we had you know he he was like he had genuine feedback. He's like, look, I'm he's like I'm Captain Planet. We're like we are going to listen to you as Captain Planet. It's true, yeah. And he helped us rewrite like the final scenes of that. But Mm -hmm. that's the only time I can think of where like. That There was like a moral issue with the content.
7: Did you
1: stand up and give him a slow clap?
6: We we sent several very friendly emails. Yes, exactly.
3: (laughs) His expertise, because he's from that other show, I think if it were someone on the show that you know the most about because you made it, I guess that's sort of where it becomes really helpful. I think I had some of that too when we did the Uncle Grandpa crossover. Mm. A lot of the cast members were like, "We, we should say this slightly differently. This is how Pizza Steve would actually yeah, say exactly. this yeah. and i'd be like oh my gosh yes
6: please thank you oh my gosh i did and i guess if that did happen like if you know if courtney or ashley was like this really is really kind of messed up what's going on right now i would certainly listen because they've yeah, been doing for it for sure. dozens and dozens of episodes mm, yeah
7: yeah
6: mm. Uh, so we get to the ever-loving end here
9: <laughs> it's back to the basics classic itchy and scratchy
8: <gasps> we should thank our lucky stars they're still putting on a program of this caliber after so many years <laughs>
9: What else
1: is
0: on? <laughs> even after all that the audience is still fickle. Yeah. You can't you can't win. <laughs>
1: even if it told them like, well yeah, I should that is how I I definitely got that message at the end of the episode, even as a fourteen year old who wasn't a know it all about shows. I still was like, Oh, this is a show telling me I should be happy that this show is still good. Like <laughs> can I listened,
3: Simpsons, I did. <laughs> I it whooshed right over my head when I was younger. It reminds me of like I, I just saw a documentary about the Beatles uh, talking about how help was oh, how they yeah. really felt. And I was like, help is a cry for help?
7: <laughs> like, I, like
3: It suddenly hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, of course it was. And watching this again felt like that too. Like. Oh, they're worried people are losing interest in The Simpsons. I never would have thought of that because I wasn't losing interest in The Simpsons. Alt yeah. had
0: a superliminal message in it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, but,
6: it, but it's true. Though. Like at that time, you know, I mean, again, we were talking about alt.tv The Simpsons, where it's like people, even in season two and three, were like, "I'm done with The Simpsons. I'm moving on." Mm-hmm. By that point, they'd probably seen several like generations and phases oh, yeah. of fans come and go. And as I said, it's very, it's very it hurts my feelings when I see a fan go. <laughs>
4: it's hard, yeah, and it's hard not to feel like, oh no, everybody hates it now, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure they were feeling a little bit of that.
6: Well, and for
1: guys like Bill and Josh, they came on the show thinking, this is the best show on TV, nothing's written like this. And you, if you feel that strongly about it, then to hear people, it would, uh, it would certainly hurt to hear people say your show's bad now, especially when you took it over, and now
0: this is when people are saying it's the worst episode ever. And considering what was on TV around it, yeah, it's time.
6: Too. Right. The episode puts up a hard front, but I can tell it comes from a place of pain. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah.
3: it really does. Oh, there's a lot of wish fulfillment. Just mm. speaking to directly to the fans, mm-hmm. <laughs> moments which are much more. I, I, I didn't quite get that when I was younger.
1: I didn't get it the whole time until, until the end bit when they turn off the TV. I was like, oh, they're talking about the show. That's, that was only when it hit me. Yeah, and I
0: mean, I think other shows had addressed fandom in general, but I think this was the first show to address its own fandom mm-hmm. in via allegory for an entire episode. I think mm-hmm. this was a big first for television.
1: And though they promised that Pucci would never come back, like you said, he has come back, That the next time he would appear would be in season 10's Treehouse of Horror 9, Mm-hmm. When right, Bart and Lisa go into the TV. They run over Poochie in oh, that world. Right. Oh. About that. So that affidavit was—you know—somebody needs to sue Krusty over that because clearly, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess
6: that wasn't in continuity. Yeah, uh, there was yeah a there's definitely a clause for that. Yeah, <laughs> genius at work. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. Uh, any any final <laughs> thoughts on this episode? Uh, it's an episode that becomes like. I don't know. It like grows with me. It's like every time I watch it, I see it differently. Like I, I watched it like when I first started working in the industry again and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I would like show it to people and be like, see, look how truthful this thing was. And then everyone would be like, whoa. And then like most recently when I watched it, it was it was much more of a somber feeling of just kind of like,
3: oh. So it kind of covers the <laughs> whole gamut. <and> it, <laughs> right. It reflects you when you watch it. Right, you you can see the stress and exhaustion. I worry sometimes that I start if I start to write about as someone who's been working on the show for seven years. I see myself starting to write about being being tired, tired, yeah, yeah, like oh, deeply yeah? tired and trying to continue to do this job, and because that's the fight that I know that's my daily life, yeah, and it has been for so long that I that's I'm starting to make stories about it, and then I worry. I'm just like, is this To inside And then I see this And I'm like Oh at at the end of the day What matters It's always honest stories (laughs) And the honesty of it Could be felt Even by me as a child I think (laughs) The, The it came from such a, a raw and real place. And watching it now, I'm like, oh, but it's so direct. They just drew themselves in the room. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. them. Like I, like, I have allegorical, my, my team, allegorical characters where yeah. it's like, this is a metaphor for what we're going through. This is just, like, literally them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's what makes it so great and interesting. I, I think Poochie, to me, has just become such an icon. Like, I see, to, to be a Poochie is, like, a, a thing. Or to make yeah. a Poochie. And we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Because I have this fondness for what Poochie is, because he represents a certain time. And at that time, that was a parody of the schlock that was being produced to satisfy the needs of that time. But as a child of that time, there's this nostalgia that's baked into Poochie because yeah, he is absolutely. just a representative yeah. of that time as crassly as possible. And I just feel this tie to Poochie that I, like, I'll i, I I'll carry to the grave. I kind of, <laughs> yeah,
4: you kind of like Poochie. It's fun to watch it now and be like, eh, he's, I mean, his cartoon was terrible, but him as a concept, as a character, yeah, he probably, yeah, he sold Brillo pads. He probably, you know, he could have been on the front of something. But yeah, it's a super funny episode, and yeah, watching it again, honestly, it is true. Like, I can can feel, like, the pain and hurt feelings radiating off of the episode as I watch it. It's like... You see people who are trying really hard at what they do, but they're also maybe a little tired and they feel a little insulted by the people who are they feel like they're being taken for granted and it's and you can really feel that within the episode.
6: And it's it's not one of those things where you see and it's like, Whoa, learn to take criticism, buddy. It's more yeah. like I recognize where this is coming from and Absolutely. It's you know, it, it's it's you know, it's okay. <laughs>
1: this, as a fan, only on the fan side of it, it it informed me a lot. As as a and, and when I returned to it, it it makes me feel differently about being a fan every time. And I think it show t- took me through my emotions on it, and also on the creative process and how it feels to create stuff and. I think, too, Poochie, you know, one character I wasn't thinking of that is a Poochie, like maybe the first one was Scrappy-Doo. I think he's a real, mm, yeah. they used to call, I think before a Poochie, they called them a Scrappy, this type right. of additional right. no, stuff. true. stuff.
4: Uh, I always think about that, too, uh, because I was born at the right time. I was born in 1984. So I was born, I was the kid who Scrappy was targeting and I loved Scrappy. <laughs> I remember, like, my older brother was like, ugh, this one has Scrappy in it. And I was like, ooh, Scrappy. I don't like the ones that don't have Scrappy. And he's like, Scrappy's terrible. And I'm like, what? He's funny. He does all this stuff. He says puppy power. He's great. And then I grew up and found out, oh, everybody hated him. Like, <laughs> but he worked on me.
3: <laughs> Your show is full of Scrappies and Poochie. It's true.
4: I mean, I have a main character. Character that's scrappy. So, yeah. He is scrappy.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I had a last evening Universe thought. You mentioned drawing the people into it. Like, I still see it, it seems like Ian's <laughs> character just in the background <laughs> of
6: crowds. Well, yes, uh, once you're in the model pack. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but we don't have Ian's character in a an animation writer's uh-huh. room <laughs> listening to voiceover from characters that represent. Are, well, yes, it's. I don't know what not happened. Not as one to one. After
4: I mean, after I left the show to work on OKKO, OK after I left Steven Universe, people started putting me in the background way more. Oh than, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I remember. Oh my gosh, at a pitch once, <laughs> Lamar drew this crowd that was just like lumps with little dots for eyes, but then drew Ian. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a crowd of strangers, and then you, and then put an arrow, and it said Ian. You're <laughs> we like, all right, well, this crowd has Ian in it. That's the most important thing to know in this scene. Uh, it, was, it was great. We all loved it.
0: <laughs> so we will do our plugs later. Everyone in this room that has a TV show, uh, please let us know what that show is and where we can find it. I am not going to say anything. <laughs>
4: Hey, so yeah, um, I'm Ian. You can follow me at, at @ianjq on Twitter. Uh, I have a TV show. It's called OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes. You can find it on uh, the Cartoon Network, Cartoon Network app. Just Google OKKO. OK the first then, season's uh, you'll on
1: you'll Hulu it. now too, right? Yeah, oh, first yeah. season's yeah,
4: on Hulu. You can we'll watch that. You can watch that, and yeah, we also made a game called OKKO OK Let's Play Heroes, which is available on what? What is? What can you get it on?
6: Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, and Steam, and then soon. Uh we? Are uh, you? <laughs> Wait, Vita? Is it Vita? Uh, Switch is okay. coming soon. <coughs> no. uh, and I'm Toby, and I work on the same show.
3: Yeah, I'm Rebecca Sugar. Uh, you can find me. I'm Rebecca Sugar on Instagram. I do a show called Steven Universe. Its past seasons are on Hulu, and you can find it when it's on on Cartoon Network. Please don't miss the next bunch of episodes, please. We worked really hard on that. Well, there's a movie coming soon, right? Yes. Ooh. And there will be a movie. Was. It's a TV. It's a yeah. movie for television. Yeah. TV movie. And it's amazing. Oh, yes. yeah. They said yeah. yeah, they know what's it's going super on. super good.
1: I was so honored when Ian and Toby did, did our previous episode. I'm so happy have you back. And, like, I. Steven Universe is my favorite show on TV. Oh, gosh. Like, it is the. It felt like the show made for me. And I just love every moment of it. So I, it was such an honor to have you
3: on here, Rebecca. Thank oh, Thank you so much. That's, That's such an know. honor to hear. <laughs>
0: so again a big thank you to rebecca sugar ian jones cordy and toby jones for being our guests on that episode it was fantastic it was a three-hour recording session (laughs) and we were all sweaty but we earned it we earned all of that sweat so thanks again again check out their shows steven universe and OKKO. let's be heroes you don't need me to tell you that though Mm -hmm. they're so good it's self-evident people
1: yeah and if you still haven't started them yet though both of them are on hulu the first season so that's a great place to start on top of you know you can Find it on the Cartoon Network app and the the newer episodes and in all the places you can buy shows, like buy seasons like iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: And for the first time, OKKO is on Hulu. It's been there for about a month. So in case you were looking for it before, it's now there, 52 episodes. And there's more to come, I'm guessing, hopefully.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's just the first season. They're already deep into season two on it, too. Okay, awesome.
0: So, yes, thanks again to our very special guest. As for us, we are supported by the Talking Simpsons Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons you can check it out and see how to sign up and support the show. At the $5 level, you can get every episode a week ahead of time and ad-free, and the same goes for our sister show, What a Cartoon. At that $5 level, there are so many bonus podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts you've never heard, exclusive series, interviews, so many special things we've done, and they all live on the Patreon, and they won't go anywhere else, so please check it out at that $5 level. Henry, what are two mo- of the most recent things that are on the Patreon and will never leave the Patreon? <laughs> that we've locked them up in the vault.
1: Folks, you should definitely check out one of our newest interviews where we chatted with the Bill Morrison, who is a longtime Simpsons artist. He did all the covers to your favorite early 90s Simpsons video games. His covers were easily the best part of those games. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he was also one of the founders of Bongo Comics and was doing Simpsons comics for over a decade. And we have a ton of questions about that. And also, his lesser known but no less important stuff, such as his work in defining the look of Futurama we learn a ton of interesting stuff from Bill in that interview and you should also check out one of our previous interviews with Mark Kirkland if you liked all this animation industry talk here Mark Kirkland has directed more episodes of the Simpsons than anyone and got a started at Hanna-Barbera in the late 70s he has a ton of cool stories and you can learn all that on the exclusive interview on the Patreon as well
0: That's right, that's patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Even a dollar a month would help our show and get you access to our monthly community podcast. So yes, check it out, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We'd really appreciate it. As for me, I have been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. That's a classic gaming podcast. Check it out at retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. We've been doing this almost forever, I think, since the beginning of time, so there's got to be something you enjoy that we've done. Check it out, Retronauts. Henry.
1: I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. If you follow me there, you'll learn whenever a new episode goes up for Talking Simpsons or our sister animation show, What a Cartoon. We did a Steven Universe episode of that, by the way. You should check it out in the archives. But just follow me at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on
0: Twitter for all those updates. Thank you for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for Homer's Phobia. We'll see you then.
10: I certainly, do. I have to go now. My planet needs me. <laughs>